Hello, listening people. Hi, Ryan. Oh, hi. Hi, Bartek. Hi. 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 What are we doing? What are we doing? Well, I'm I'm Ryan, like you said, and, and you're Bartek, like I said. Yes. And we are both spit and polish. Because, you know, we're always spitting, and we both happen to be Polish. And you know, that's a gag that's been going for how many years now? Since late 2015. So, good answer, because say, if you said a specific amount of years, these people could be listening to this podcast. Where's the early 2015 <laughs> stuff? Well, we didn't make it. Yeah, we started in October 2015. Yeah, and um, this is our show where we talk about our history of our own show. It's called Spit and Polish Presents Our Own Show. (laughs) (laughs) A brief history to Spit and Polish brought to you by Stephen Hawkins. It all started with an idea called the Lloyd Files and then things went south. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So... Um, this is our show, Unappreciated Masterpieces, in which we do feature-length audio commentaries for movies that seemingly don't deserve a commentary. But hey, 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 we disagree. Seemingly don't deserve uh, that's, why, that's why we say, hey, we disagree, because these seemingly do deserve a commentary. Because at the end of the day, someone had an idea. They, they spent some time thinking about this idea, and they had the brave, brave audacity to share this idea with a powerful person in Hollywood who can make that dream come true into a feature-length film. And did this sharing also happen at the end of the day? Yeah. So they didn't get any sleep, did they? No, of course not. Okay. They were awake the entire time. Wow. So That's dedication. We we go in depth and talk about films that, you know, need more love. They're not the films that garner the most hate, but they're not the ones that garner the most love either. They're, they're, they could be, what you say, middle of the road or, or even forgotten, but I don't know. I think we need to give these films the justice they deserve. You know, really... You know, really shine a light on the good, because it's so easy to talk about the bad with films. I mean... You know, it's such a easy thing to do, but we want to talk about the good. And this month, we are covering... Oh yes, it's February again. We are covering a genre of films that are very much unappreciated. And what is that, Bartek? The genre that we are covering in February 2018, following the classic February 2016 of Dog Month, and February 2017, which was Duology month. Yeah. This year, February 2018, we are doing Video Game Movies Month. Yeah, yeah, films that are adaptations of the video games. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have the greatest track record. But why is that? Maybe we need to actually watch them and find out. We've already seen Sands of Time, but... Uh... We need to look into more of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are other video game movies that we've done accidentally. I'm sure Meet Dave has a video game. <laughs> well, I mean, um, what was it? Uh, Baby's Day Out had a scrapped <laughs> video game adaptation. Yeah, yeah. You know, out of all the movies we've done on the show, I would really love to see a video game adaptation of uh, Unforgettable. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> or sleepwalkers. There'll probably be a lot of quick time events in Unforgettable. <laughs> so, Bartek, we are covering a film mm-hmm. that is a, a film adaptation of a video game. What is the film we are covering? The film that we are covering for the first of four of this month is 
dum. Oh, now I don't speak Polish, which is what I'm imagining you're saying that word in. I guess. You guess. <laughs> but I'm going to wing it. I'm going to have a guess. So hit me with it again. Uh, dum. Dum. And just to be clear, it's not the Bollywood trilogy Doom. Okay. <laughs> Fuck, I was about to guess that. Um, no, I'm going to guess video game Doom. Video game Doom. Uh, could it be... Max Payne? With Mark Wahlberg? Right, no, that's we're doing that in a couple of weeks. That's not, <laughs> okay, that's not yeah. this episode. Okay, that's not this episode? Okay, yeah. okay. Could it be Street Fighter Annihilation? No, we're not doing that one at all, Ryan. Okay, fuck. I don't know. What could the movie be? It's Dead or I mean, it's Doom. <laughs> Dead or Alive Doom. I love. <laughs> I love that film. Dead or Doom. This, we get to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead or Doom. <laughs> we we get to see that sexy volleyball game with demons. That's my favorite. <laughs> I've always wanted to see. The Rock hit a volleyball in a bikini. That's my favourite movie. Yeah, they're onto something, though, because Doom is a very much a first-person shooter kind of game, but maybe they need to do like Dead or Alive and have a spin-off where they play beach volleyball. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that game where you're on, like, a raft in a pool and you, like, you know, hit each other's bums with your bums and then yeah, whoever falls off. I'm pretty sure that's called Doom 3. <laughs> I don't know. I just made a bold statement. I don't... No, Doom 3 wasn't like... Doom 3 or Doom 3? Well, Doom 3 is the Bollywood film, but... Ah, <laughs> there you go. So we're covering the 2005 film Doom. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I was Ryan, I was so excited for this film. I watched it a week ahead of time. Same, same with me, man. It's oh. not got nothing to do with the fact that we don't have a guest this episode because we organised a guest last week to do this movie and then they dicked us about, so now we have to do it mm. a week later. But don't that's... worry, listening people, that's not what happened. What really happened was Bartek and I were really excited to watch Doom for this video game month that we're doing. So we watched it a week ahead of time. And, and then we, you know what? We were so excited. We just forgot to ask our guest to, to come on the show. It's not what I just said previously. And some might say, well, you know, it's been a week since you watched it. Do you have a great recollection of the film? Of course we do. Of course we do. We are professionals. We're nearly at 100 episodes of this show now. Yeah. So we know what we're doing. And we've and, done it before. And, and you guys will now be told what you've got to do, which is you've got to have a legal copy of the 2005 film Doom with you because we're, I'm going to do a countdown. And when I say play, you're going to press play as well. And you're going to watch this with us so you can kind of get what we're talking about. But hey, don't worry. If you don't have a copy, that's fine. But just don't expect us to sugarcoat it for you, okay? Don't expect us to kind of uh, spoon feed you here because I'm pretty sure that most people listening to our show already know the film Doom. Uh, And if you don't, well, you better watch it with us. Not to be confused with the Bollywood film Doom. Which one? (laughs) Any of them. Maybe we're covering the second one. You don't know. One's decent, two's amazing, and three has a good villain. One's decent, two's amazing, and three just has a good villain, but is it any good? Yeah, it's fine. The villain makes it, though. Okay. So get your copy ready, because we're going to start this film in three, two, one, play. Ah, here we go. It's everyone's favourite film, Doom, from 2005. Bartek, I'm going to ask you straight off the bat. Yes. What's your history with this film and the video game? I have known of the video game... Probably my whole life, because it was such an early 
revolutionary first-person shooter game. Um, it's a very popular series that in in those early games were were even modded a lot by a lot of people, and uh, there've been ripoffs. Like, I did you know that there is a Doom ripoff? Um, but it's it's edited to be about Noah from Noah's Ark. What's it called? It's called like Super Noah's Ark three D. No. Yeah. Is it made by some Christian lobby? You know it. <laughs> oh great. <laughs> okay. I think it's called Wisdom Tree. Fuck, I wanna play it now. Where's that movie? Yeah, it's well, called Noah with Russell Crowe, didn't you watch it? <laughs> I have watched it. <laughs> you idiot. So what you're telling me is it seems like you haven't played the game. I might have tried an older one once, but I have not played any of them with any great depth. Okay. I know that the most recent one is very popular because the main character, silent protagonist, uh, really gives no shits and does a lot of violent stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I, I, I guess. I mean, I remember I, I haven't played... I, I haven't played the newest one and I haven't really played any of them. My history with the game is people would bring it to school when we're in primary school and yeah. put it on the computer and then you would play it. I wouldn't be able to tell you which game was which. It was probably like the first game where it was like that really pixelated 2D look about it where you're just running around. Yeah. 2D but 3D. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 2D-ish, 3D-ish, you know. It's a 3D game, but it's all sprites. Yes, that's what I'm looking for. And it's one of those games that I don't know what the actual story is. I know that, like, at some kind of base facilities or whatever, and hell's been unlocked, and demons are shooting out of it, and you just have to kill everything and win. Yeah, I don't know the story, but that's my. I don't know the Doom lore. Yeah, but. Now I've watched Doom 2005, I feel like I'm an expert in the Doom lore. Mm. Because this film has little to do with the Doom lore of the games, I hear. This is... In this film, they deal with uh, genetic mutations as the reasonings for creatures, not they have unlocked hell. Uh... It's an interesting change in storyline. I think it works. I think it works. I think, you know, it's a good change. I really think it doesn't matter too much if they're actually creatures from hell or genetically modified individuals that are demon-like. I, I don't know. I can see... I'm not a Puritan, which kind of feels odd for a game based about hell that there are Puritans about it. I can see, Yeah, I can see fans not being happy with that change, but for us who have not played the games, then, yeah, I can I can understand that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, again, now... Uh, you know, my history with this film, I've seen it before. I saw it a year or two after it came out because my parents bought it on DVD because mm. they love sci-fi and they were like, this is a, a horror sci-fi on Mars. Oh, fun fact about that game console, he's playing it the wrong way around. Yeah. You're supposed to play it vertically. Okay. He's playing it no, horror. It looks like it's fun to hold. Yeah. So, that's a fun fact. Mm. So, he's playing it wrong. But, uh, I've seen this film before, and I remember only two things about it mm-hmm. from when I watched it originally. One, I remembered the nude, the random nude scene where they find the naked woman who's missing her hand. Yeah, yeah. And somehow she wrote, suffer in blood. And I remember thinking as a kid, like, 
you know, I must have, I can't remember how old I would have been, like, or was it 2000? Let's say I saw it in 2007. If it was 2007, you would have been, like, 14? Yeah, I remember thinking, hmm, yeah, she's naked, cool, whatever. But it was more like, okay, why did she write Suffer? And that's all I've been asking myself for those, like, years. And everyone else is like, bro, did you see the tits? What are you talking about Suffer for? You barely seen the tits. <laughs> you see more of the ass. Mm. So then, then the other thing I remember is The Rock. I remember The Rock. Ah, uh, Johnson the Dwayne Rock. Yeah, who we've had on this show before in several... As a guest? As my, as my hero. <laughs> Wait, you say several films? Well, haven't we had him in more than one? I know definitely Race to Witch Mountain he's been in. Oh, it feels like we've had The Rock on a lot. Maybe I'm just wrong and he's only been in one. We've covered so many films now. If if you said to me, oh, don't you remember Dwayne in, in Meet Dave as Eddie Murphy? <laughs> I mean, you know, he's one of those... He's a, uh, we've talked about it before. He's a charismatic actor. Yeah. You know, he's a very charismatic guy. Oh, I remember. We talked about him a lot in the tuxedo for no apparent reason. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mentioned how he needs a better agent because he's always, like, miscast. In this film, he's perfectly cast. Mm. This is one of his first roles, right? Yeah, I mean, he already done The Mummy Returns mm. at this point, which... Yeah, which okay, so it's one of his earlier this, roles. And I'm pretty sure a Scorpion King would have happened around this time as well. So... But this is like a, an early film for him. You know, this is a classic film for him. You know, like what I remembered about this film was I remembered as a, at a young age, I really liked what they did with his character, how they how they kind of made you think about his character in one way and then changed it at the end. We'll get into that as the film goes on because that is a big uh, crux of the film is people walk into this thinking that The Rock is your lead character and the good guy. And then that kind of gets tossed on its head a little bit, and you realize Carl Urban's your main character, who doesn't appear until like I, I want to say like five minutes into the film, and you've already met like The Rock first. You've met a lot of people by that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you got you got that. But Bartek, what about you? You've never seen the film until having to do it for this show. Never have seen the film, though. I have said, you know, over the past week since we both have seen the film that I saw a lot of similarities to Deep Rising in this film. Classic film. And yeah, when I think about it a bit more, there are some obvious differences, but... There's no water. There's no water. There's no random tentacly monsters. No random tentacly monsters? No, they're just demon monsters that shoot their tongues at you. No, mutants, Ryan. Completely. uh, They're still monsters. Mutants, like X-Men. Oh my god, is this in the X-Men universe? They're fighting the X-Men that are like the bad ones. Oh, you mean the Brotherhood? That's what they're Maybe. called. That's what they're called. I didn't really think that there was an organization of bad ones. I just have you never watched the X Men? I've seen two, three, and first class. Oh, so you never watched two, three, and first class then? By the sounds of it, because the Brotherhood prominently feature in two and three at least. Okay. And the foundations happen in Brotherhood. Well, I saw them very far apart. Okay. And not even in that order. You remember Magneto? <laughs> Yeah. You remember at the end of the second film, he, like, gets the fire guy, the, the, the guy who can control fire? Sure. And he's like, come join us, because the X-Men suck. And they're like, okay, and then you remember the third film, where the whole entire film is the fact that he's got an army of mutants who agree with him, and he attacks everyone? That's the Brotherhood. <laughs> That's a big deal. That's, like, they're basically in X-Men, just like in Doom, Magneto's right... 
but his his methods are wrong. Like his his ideas, like his beliefs are right, but his uh, his methods of executing his them are wrong. His beliefs are right. Yeah, uh, isn't he a Jew, Ryan? Does that mean Jews are right? Oh yeah, okay, definitely. Uh, are you persecuting them? No. You know this film. My background was also in the Nazi camps. Yeah, Wolverine was apparently in <laughs> apparently in some of the X Men lore. Oh wait, I've also, I've also seen the one where Wolverine goes to Japan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Magneto appears at the very end credits of that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love um in one of the in like some of the Wolverine and Magneto lore, Wolverine saved Magneto from the camp. And that's why Magneto is kind of cool with him okay. a lot of the time. Also, apparently, <laughs> Logan and Captain America are best friends. <laughs> apparently. Okay, yeah. They've met each other during the Second World War <laughs> because they're best friends. So when he gets unfrozen, he's like, oh, my best friend's back. And he has a heart. Logan, not Captain America. He always had a heart. But does this film feature any actors? Heart? Yes, it does. <laughs> oh, fuck. I was going to say, does this film feature any actors that appear in superhero movies? Not really. Is Gone Girl a superhero movie? Yes. <laughs> Rosamund Pike <laughs> is in Gone Girl, and she's the superhero in it. That film does have Ben Affleck, who does play Batman, and Daredevil. So, there you go. The answer is yes. Did he also play Green Lantern? No, that's Ryan Reynolds. That's Ryan Reynolds. Who plays Deadpool as well. Yes. I remember there was one who did a bad one, then did a good one. I love that there are certain actors... Well, you forget. He did two bad ones. He was in Green Lantern, and then he was in X-Men... Origins? Wolverine Origins as as Deadpool, sorry. And then he did Deadpool. So, his track record for superhero films aren't the greatest thus far. Only one out of three. (laughs) But that one is, like, highest grossing R-rated film or something? Yeah... I think so, but you know, this film was R-rated, and in America or what? I think so, yeah. Okay, because it has blood and gore and. But here in Australia, where everything is trying to kill you, it's like, oh, what a what a PG. Just, what a just slightly bad day you've had. Yeah, PG. <laughs> Let young Ryan see this. So you didn't see this film until recently. That's unfortunate because yeah, if you grew up with Doom as this as as a film, I grew up with the Bollywood ones. Sort of. I know you've <laughs> grown up with the Bollywood ones. You would have been forever changed, Bartek, because I remember watching this and I remember two things strongly, and those two things have carried on in my entire life. So what were they? Suffer and uh... and and the Rock and the rock. and everything about the Rock. He's, I remember specifically one line of The Rock, which is my favorite line in the film. I'm just going to say it. The Rock gets a tentacle grabbed around his foot or hand, and he gets dragged off, and he goes, Ah, but I'm not supposed to die! And that's probably my favorite line, because The Rock says it with such Americana bravado masculinity. Mm. It kind of reminded me of uh, Duke Nukem. Which, did you ever play the Duke Nukem games? A little, yeah. That's the thing about Doom. They're kind of like Duke Nukem, but without the... Duke Nukem's a bit more of a parody. Yeah, Duke Nukem, but without the comedy. (laughs) Like, you know, you have these big male guys with guns shooting things and saving chicks and all of that. 
And this film, look, I think this is the closest we're going to get to a Duke Nukem game being a film, other than, like, the Escape from New York movies, and they're just Metal Gear Solid. They should at least have a movie like this and cast John St. John in it, just so you can be a bit silly. You know what I love about video games? I love how, no matter how self-serious a video game is, they're still stupid. They still talk about pressing the triangle button. Yeah, or like, you know, like, like they have silly things in them. Like, like, you know, in the Doom games, you have these creatures with the weirdest designs. Okay, like, here we have Pinky introduced, and his monster that he turns into at the end is an iconic monster from the games. But it's kind of like, they have demons from hell, but why does he have robot legs? Well, we just, you just missed the shot where he's... No, I mean, like, in the game. In the game. Like, in this... Again, remember, this is different to the game where they're humans first to get transformed into demon yeah. monsters. In the game, they're just demons from hell. And it's still like, why is that? Because it's a cool design, man. You have goofy shit. Or, like, I love, what is it, the Metal Gear Solid games? I think there's one particular game where... I can answer this for you. There's so. a villain. I think it's, like, the third game. or No, one of the games that's on PlayStation 3 where the villain gets destroyed because they can't handle how good the PlayStation 3 console is in comparison to the PlayStation that, 1 yeah, console. Yeah, that, that's, that's Psycho Mantis and Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh no, I've been defeated by the fact that this is a PlayStation 1. Yeah, he can't read memory cards because there's a hard disk drive and he can't... I think he can't vibrate the controller. Yeah, no, he can't. He can vibrate the controller if it's a specific kind of controller. Exactly, and it's like shit like that about that. And that's what I kind of miss about... There's a part in the game also... Um, you played the original Metal Gear. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the part where you have to switch discs? It's right yeah, after yeah. Sniper Wolf. When you <laughs> Sniper Wolf. Slight spoiler about Metal Gear Solid Four. There is a part where you go back to Shadow Moses Island. It's like really nostalgic. Yeah. When you get up to that specific part of the game, Otacon's like, "All right, time to change disc." And he's like, "Oh, wait a second, it's a Blu-ray disc. Isn't uh, the technology amazing?" Brilliant. See, I miss. That's the thing. I think video game movies, ones that are actually based on video games, because there are those movies that are. Video game-esque like Scott Pilgrim, where mm. that has video game aesthetics, or Wreck-It Ralph. But ones that are actually based on actual video games, I think a, a thing that gets missed in the translation is the inherent cheesiness of the films, where you have a film like, you know, you have certain films that get a lot of flack because they take it too seriously, and they kind of miss the translation of things. And I felt like Doom had the cheesiness down, but not all the way through. Like, like it was very nicely done. Like, the acting has some cheesy actors in it, such as the really slimy guy, the blonde-haired slimy guy, hmm. who is in Game of Thrones as the king of the White Walkers. That's a fun fact. Um, you know, he he's, he's cheesy through and through. And then you have, like, other characters that are cheesy, like the guy that hits on Rosamund Pike so bluntly that they actually form a romantic relationship by him just saying, I've got something big for you, and it's his cock, obviously. And, like, there's no subtlety to his character, but through sheer brunt force of cheese fest with him, he actually becomes a character you care about when he when he gets in danger. Mm. And The Rock goes in and out of cheesiness, but he usually has a seriousness about him. And, and there's stuff like cheesy fights in this. Like, mixture of cheesy and awesome. Like, one of my favorite fight sequences in this entire film is... Um, I think the guy's name is Destroyer. 
the soldier's name is something like Destroyer, and he gets like slapped by this big monster into the solitary confinement chamber with the electrified walls. And he has this epic fight sequence with this monster, and one of his fight moves is to grab the old desktop computer, grab it by the cord, and swing it over his head and smash it over the monster's head. Stuff like that, that feels like that would be in a video game. That, that, that would be one of those, like, here's a quick time moment of him throwing a computer at a monster's fucking head. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen that in Spider-Man and Revengeance. Yeah. Ah, Spider-Man Revengeance, my Spider-Man favorite Revengeance. Metal, metal Gear Spider-Man. <laughs> the Ultimate Crossover. And, you know, I like the fact that this film, it does have the cheesiness, but it also has genuine atmosphere like i felt the lighting and the suspense built throughout the movie of who's getting picked off it was really well done because the thing about this is you have a large cast of characters and with a movie like this like you know you have your classics like aliens and and predator and more recently you have movies like king kong or something where you have characters and you go okay these ones are here just to die right yeah the thing i like about doom is It takes its time. Like, it doesn't just go, death, scene, scene, death, scene, scene, death. It actually has, like, one death that comes a bit late into the... Like, uh, like, like, one of our main characters gets killed off in the film, which is this fanatic Christian character. And I think it's, like, half an hour or more into the film we see him die. Yeah, it's it's a while until you see him, like you know, knife himself as pendants or something. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like I really like the fact that they actually take the time. It actually challenged my expectations of the filmmaking because you do see a film like this and you're like, okay, this character's going to die like this, this, and this. Like you said, this reminded you a bit of Deep Rising. And I felt that was a weakness of Deep Rising. where they got you had death a, pretty quickly. Yeah, you had a bunch of nameless characters or characters with one kind of type and you're like, okay, this is the guy who's going to die. And in this film, I was actually surprised with how long certain characters lived. Like, especially the slimy guy. You know, he felt like he's going to be one of those characters that gets killed off quite quick. But he's actually one of the last ones to die. And then there are certain characters who die in ways that you don't expect them to die. You think, oh, they're going to get killed, killed by a monster, yeah? Well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. You know, I think that's quite interesting. What yes, about yeah. what about you? Um, I definitely agree that these characters stuck around a lot more. And I do remember that I think in Deep Rising, some of them were killed off pretty quickly as well. Yeah, there was a chick on the boat in Deep Rising that was really awesome. Like the, the Asian chick who is the wife of one of the main characters and she gets killed off as soon as they leave the boat. And you're like, oh, that sucks. She was awesome. Yeah, and, and Deep Rising also, um, it started off with everything kind of peaceful or as this movie just starts right in like, oh shit, this facility, we're in trouble. My hand got chopped off. Yeah, oh, no, that was a woman. She died, and then her hand got chopped off. Um, and, and then you get this whole like kind of. I, I guess it does kind of ring back to those kind of isolationist games where, um, you get sent into offices like something bad's gone in there. Then you have this whole like atmospheric sequence where you try to piece together what happened. Yeah, kind of Metroid Prime in a way. Yeah, um, it kind of also remind me of like I know this has been made into a movie, but Silent Hill. Where you're kind of walking around and you've seen the aftermath of events, but you still haven't pieced together the exact 
consequent like the exact mm. actions have caused these things yeah. to happen and i've i've only played the first one and definitely with silent hill it's a game where it is sort of like an abandoned town with some people in buildings and like mm. you piece together like oh there there was like a cult and like a drug ring going on and it led to all these events it, it's very much a a staple of these kind of horror games where you, you try, you try to pe- you try to piece things together without as as you said earlier, what we do in the show without necessarily spoon feeding. Mm, I love with every video game like that. Every video game like that, there has to be an evil demonic zombie dog creature that attacks you because they're the fastest ones and they fuck yeah. you up the most. Usually, what are they called? Usually, like the 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 pen name for them are like hellhounds, right? Like whatever yeah. they are. It's just like who came up with that? What was the what was the first game to have that? It's a good question. I mean, Silent Hill's a 3D game, so it was probably into some 2D games. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I, maybe it would be kind of like a, a spin-off of the werewolf in a modern setting. It would probably be a game that was like an arcade shooter probably. game that would have that. Or, it would no, be like the fast enemy that runs up to your first person. We're, we're, we're idiots. It's the ghosts from Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the Pac-Man movie? Uh, Pixels doesn't count, does it? No. No, 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 it doesn't. I mean, I must... I imagine in Japan they've made one, yeah? I don't know if They've definitely right. made cartoons, and, like, there have been sequels to Pac-Man where it's, like, 3D adventures, and I know that Pac-Man is at least popular enough to appear in the newest Smash Brothers game. Mm, yeah, that's that's fair. So, with Bartek, Bartek, I gotta ask this. This month we're covering movies that are video game-related, what are the type of video games that appealed to you when you were growing up and the type that appealed to you now? Because Doom was not one that you, you played, really. Yes, and of the games we have picked, I've only really played the last of the movies that we're doing this month. Mm. I've definitely been a lot more into into you know 3D games with a bit of exploration in them, kind of like the Spyro series. Mm-hmm. Um, other things that Insomniac games have made, like Ratchet and Clank. But I've also played a lot of games, um, I guess, that originated in Japan. Yeah. So a lot of series like that, like RPGs, yeah. Fantasy. Final Fantasy. Um, shitloads of RPGs. Loads, JRPGs? Loads. A lot of JRPGs, yeah. When I actually looked at a list of Western RPGs the other year, I realised, huh... The only one I've really played is South Park Stick of Truth, and that only came out a few years ago. Yeah. I tried playing Fable, I think, sometime last year, and wasn't really into it. Ah, man, I love Fable. I've played all the Fable games. Mm. I think my weakness with Fable is it's that thing that I have a weakness. I'm a big fan of those uh, games that uh, that give you the illusion of morality and how it will affect yeah. you in the long run. Like, I love God games, like Black and White, which where you literally play as God. But the problem with those type of games is there is no actual freedom of choice. There, there is, is very limited. Of, like, it's an illusion. Like, like with, with Fable, I'm always like, why can't I kill my dog? Or why can't I marry my son? You know, like, these are the things that I get annoyed about. <laughs> the developer's like, right. <laughs> you fucking asshole. We can let you be evil, not... Ugh. Or, like, why can't I kill children? Why can't I sacrifice children to the dark altar? You know, oh, stuff like that. Yeah, speaking of immorality, GTA is also another one. <laughs> You're a big fan of GTA. A lot I've, of Rockstar games, games. You yeah. know, I grew up with GTA 2. Same. But I played it the exact way I just played a lot of games like that, where I never played it to 100% completion. In fact, I never played the stories, I'm pretty sure. I always just. 
well, pissed an off. Well, it's game where you get yeah, points. Where, where I just gained weapons and pissed off the police and all of that. And I remembered my main thing with any GTA game, including the recent one, GTA Five. Yes. That's the only one I've ever played in terms of actually play it as a game with a story and complete it. My main goal is to see how I can be in favour with every gang so I can travel anywhere without being attacked. Yeah. That's my personal goal in every GTA game that allows me to do that. Which, from memory, I don't know about the first GTA, but GTA 2 did. Yeah. I remember when I played GTA 3, it was a lot of fun. I loved it, but... um. Throughout, if, as you continue the story, more and more gangs hate you, and I actually mm. worked it out. Only two gangs are cool with you by the end of the game if you 100% it. Nice. And it's like the Yakuza in the Middle Island, and like the the black gang in the last island who don't do much. Fair enough. I mean, I when I grew up, there were lots of games that I liked that were varying styles of games like i'm a big crash bandicoot fan as a lot of people our age tend to be my favorite was crash bandicoot 3 Mm. a lot of people love crash bandicoot 2 which is completely fair i have the unpopular opinion of i prefer crash bash over crash team racing yeah okay um that's just mainly because i'm not into car games racing games me neither but i I crash team racing is my exception for that um I grew up with those kind of weird games like, um, uh, uh, you know, like medieval, where your skeleton who has to overthrow an evil so wizard. So Daniel was it? Yeah, so Daniel Fortescue. Uh, and you know, you have one eye. And it's really gross. Like I played a lot of those weird kind of grossiest, gross aesthetic games like that, like medieval or. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a few more that I have in my collection. I have, like, my PS1s, and then I played, like, some classics, like Medal of Honor 1 and 2, a mainstay in my collection of those games I grew up with. Like, every time I go back home, I'll get out my old PlayStation 1, which was a console I played, mm. and I'll dust it off, the memory cards still work, everything still works, yeah, and I too. play Medal of Honor 1 and 2, and there's always something new in that, in those two games that I find... And there's always some new achievement I'll I'll figure out that you know that you know in certain games there are you you make your own achievements of yeah. things that pre exist. Like in Medal of Honor one and two, when you finish a level give you a statistic of what body parts you shot the most and give you a cute nickname and I'll kinda of figure out variants on what I could do with that. And you know, stuff like that. And that's with stuff like Doom, to get back to the film, I liked first person shooter games, sure, but they never carried my fullest attention, you know, Same. like, that's why they were always fun to play at school, because you would lose, and then you'd watch your friend play it, and then they would lose, and you'd play it, and that's kind of the most fun I got out of Doom, was watching my friends play it. Like, when I grew up, the most fun I had with video games was watching my friends and my parents play video games, like, watching my parents play Metal Gear Solid was the best experience ever because they're really good at it Mm. and they loved it and i just remembered watching my dad complete the whole entire game except for boss levels as the box (laughs) running around as the box so pacifist in a box yeah just coward in a box (laughs) and like in some metal gear solid games being in the box metal gear solid 3 especially is actually beneficial because (laughs) When you're going up slight like hills in Metal yeah. Gear Three, you go a bit slower. But if you're wearing the box, you the speed faster. is the speed is always constant, so you don't slow down. You know, and and uh, with me, 
Horror games were always unsettling to me as well. Like, I had Silent Hill 1, but I don't know if I've ever completed it, if I ever did complete it. I think it was mainly because it did freak me out a little, that foggy atmosphere, the yeah. dogs. The... I, I never played it until... I I came back from... After I finished high school, I was like, on the PlayStation 3, I was looking through the store, I'm like, oh, Silent Hill, I'll give it a go. Mm. And that's when I played I played it in 2012, even though it's an old game. Yeah, well, you know, some of those games are just great to even revisit now. And then the freakiest game I've ever owned, very few people know it, but the people who do really do know it, is this, uh, the, this game called The Neverhood, which mm-hmm. I think is a DreamWorks featured game like i swear okay. it's created by dreamworks or something like that one of those studios and it's like a claymation stop motion style game it's like just a point and click game where you're walking around discovering what's happened like you wake up and the thing that's scary about it is how empty everything is like you've just walking around in this weird surreal world and everything's so empty and the creatures and the people you do find are really weirdly designed and it's one of those ones where you can kind of get lost in just exploring everything, and, like, you can play the game, honestly. You can get lost exploring for two, three hours before you even encounter what the actual story is. Mm. And that's kind of neat. And, you know, I, I, that's, I guess, appeal to people with Doom and first-person shooters like this, which is the video game is more about the actual gameplay than the story. So I can understand with a lot of people not liking this film adaptation because... You want to play Doom for Doom's gameplay, not so much for the storytelling involved. Well, this film tries to put a story to a game that has a very loose, free story. I know there will be people who will be saying, "Uh, excuse me, there isn't a magnificent, overarching story of Doom. And I'm not saying that there isn't, but I think most people would have to agree that you go to play games like Doom and Quake and... And, and, you know, even games, the first-person shooter games like Medal of Honor and all like that. I feel like most first-person shooter games are gameplay first. For the gameplay, you know. I mean, you have ones that are different, like, you know, like, or first-person games that you have for other reasons, such as, like, Portal is a first-person game. That's a first-person shooter puzzle game, I guess. Yeah. Where you play it for the story more so than the actual gameplay. Well, there's no, like necessarily a cutscene in that game you're always moving yeah you just listen to the speaker yeah exactly and you find the easter eggs of the actual levels yeah you play that for the story in the game and game design but like for a game like doom you're there for the gameplay so how do you make a movie out of that and i love the fact that this movie actually has I, I, i've been wrestling this with this for years because one of the things i do wrestling like Dwayne. wrestling like Dwayne. And I guess I actually had three things I remembered, which is the thing I'm about to say, which is I've wrestled with this. I don't know if this is a good choice or bad choice of the amazing, and it is amazingly done, the first person perspective shooting sequence of this movie Mm. where it just becomes the game for like five minutes. Uh, I don't know if that's actually a good thing to do in a video game movie or a bad thing to do. You gotta have some fan service there. Like you said, with the creature designs iconic from the series, and this is straight up like a gameplay sequence. But, but done with, you know, actors. Yeah, exactly. But there are things where you have to go, well, is it too much of a fan service thing to, to do that? Like, does it detract from film? Because film and video games 
are very different mediums of storytelling. You know, like mm. lots of great stories told in video games wouldn't work as, or, or not say wouldn't, but don't work as well as film stories without having to change them in certain ways. Like, you know, it would be very hard to watch a film version of Portal because the the fun of it is you discovering slowly and surely. They'll but, probably add a bunch of characters and... No, it have to, they would literally yeah. have to do that. It's like, oh, what's this portal gun? It's like, Kevin Hart, put that down. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Hart is your main character. And then as Gladys, you'd have... Um, Amy Schumer. Sarah Silverman. <laughs> I was going to say Sarah, but Amy Schumer is more popular right now. Mm. And then and then as uh, Wheatley from the second game, instead of C- Stephen Merchant, you'd have Ricky Gervais. <laughs> and it would just be like, Porter's now a comedy movie because the, the game is comedy, but it's... The game's a lot funny, of... so let's make a comedy. Yeah, a pure comedy. I like the fact that this film does recognise the fact that the game that it's based on is a horror game in principle. Like, yeah. it has gruesome images in it, even though it is in sprite form. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, takes away from the real horror. In sprite horror doesn't look that great, really, because of just... It, yeah. it doesn't. But, but if you play a lot of video games and you get what sprites are, you can definitely see a lot more in them. Yeah. Oh, oh wow, yeah. that's good sprite work. Oh, that's really gory. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's not as, you know... Fear-inducing, as I would say, the if you graphics it, that you'd yeah, have yeah. today in a Doom game. If you game. showed it to Grandma, she'd be like, oh, this is what? But then if you show Grandma the new Doom game, she'd be like, oh, my! Is he giving that thing the finger? <laughs> do they do that? I think there's a finger giving of some sort. <laughs> I think someone like tells the, the main character, like, all right, now you need to do this thing, and obviously he's like, yeah, and then he like does something really violent. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 exactly what you want from your I'm video sure Duke game. Nukem would do that. Oh, Duke Nukem, probably. Yeah, Duke Nukem's a game that I never owned, but my friends did, and I would play it, and I would be like, yeah, this is funny. Have you ever played any Sonic games? Yeah, yeah, I don't know which ones. I would the I was probably four years old when I played Sonic, okay. a Sonic well, game. Well, in one of them, Sonic Adventure... He gives the finger. <laughs> no, no, no. There's a character in that game called Big the Cat. He's like oh. this huge, goofy-looking purple cat oh, who's God. best friends with a little frog named Froggy. Um, and he talks like this, Ryan. Froggy, where are you? Like, literally like that. Yeah. And fun fact, he's voiced by Duke Nukem. So oh. that's always like a fun fact about this goofy character not many people like because it's a... You know, Sonic's a series where you've got to go fast, but his gameplay is fishing. Nice. Yeah. I think one of the things I know about Sonic is Knuckles is an echidna. Yes. And I think he's 17 years old. He's like, yeah, 16 or something. Because his birthday is like Feb 2 or something. <laughs> and it's just like, okay. He's gonna die. He's a teenager. Yeah. Um, And one of the other things I want to mention is me, gameplay, still to this day, I'm really into games, like computer games that are like uh, Age of Empires, Command and Conquer. Uh, real-time strategy? Real-time strategy. Those are my games. Like, I, if you asked five-year-old Ryan what his favorite game was, he would say Red Alert. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, Command and Conquer, Red Alert, or Age of Empires. 
specifically the Age of Empires 1, the expansion, the Rome expansion, but now if you ask me it's Age of Empires 2. Yeah, I've I remember I used to toy around with my stepbrother's like PlayStation uh Command and Conquer games, not much, but like enter cheat codes and throw nukes places and that was yeah. fun. Um not quite like that, but I have played other games that are sort of on a grid, like uh, strategy RPGs where you're like moving around a map fighting they, they often i find them pretty hard but they feel good to get through mm, i just you know what i love about the idea of video game movies is the art involved it's an art form of trying to it's an art in itself that unfortunately hasn't been that successful of trying to make another art form into your style of art form you know, I don't believe in the idea that anything's unfilmable. I don't buy into that. I know that there are certain things that are, have more challenges to them. I'm We've pitched Portal. Yeah, we've pitched it. <laughs> now, like, there are certain things that, sure, uh, you could go, maybe that shouldn't have been a movie. Maybe that should have been a TV show or a miniseries. Like, I've always believed that the book Catch-22 would make a great miniseries more so than just a movie uh, like but with video games i don't see why we can't i think it's just it's that thing of uh, what do people want from their video game movie like like what do they actually want from a film adaptation of the game because here's the thing with every adaptation you have to change it up a little bit to You're make not it gonna have the interactive factor yeah you gotta have with anything from a book to uh, 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 a remake, you have to have a certain difference that has to show you that the filmmaker has their own imprint, their own mark on it, because everyone has a different interpretation of of a book, of, of a film, of, of a video game. Like, you could walk away from saying Metal Gear Solid 2 is a great game with an interesting story and a compelling character. While someone like myself, if you gave that video game to me to make into a film, the I would pass, never yeah. make Raiden <laughs> the main character and just keep Snake. Mm. Uh, like, you know, that, you know. And I think there is something to be said for the fact that, and our friend Jono, who's been on the show once, and myself, we saw the Ace Attorney movie in cinemas, which is mm. a movie based off of a, for all intents and purposes, visual novel game. Yeah. Which is pretty much all story with interaction segments. So one of the best video game movies we've seen is pretty much an adaptation of the game as is, because it is mostly yeah, story. Yeah, it's mostly story. But yeah. then, yeah, it's a bigger challenge for games that are more, like, gameplay-oriented, where you have bigger game-overs than just, like, oh... You five strikes, you're out. It's like there are some games that I don't understand why people want film versions of them. Like, that one I understand. Like, that one's also got a, a specific style about it that would be interesting to see in a film because oh, yeah, it yeah. is so because... over the top with their hair and their suits. Yeah, and... very Japanese style. And, like, one of the main gameplay things is when you're in the court case sequences presenting evidence and there's, like, the loud, take that, objection stuff. And, like, you, there is this... I, characters kind of react in the game. Like, wind, like, knocks them out when you present evidence that really gets to them. Yeah. And in the movie, they got, like, holograms, and they actually throw the holograms <laughs> at people, and it's... Like, oh, so that's what Take That's a like. You know, there's some things, like... In Doom, I understand 
why you want a film adaptation of this because there's something inherent primal and still very it might be weird to say but there's something about the sci-fi horror isolationist genre that still feels like there's more to tap into even though you have predator and aliens and you know all that kind of stuff those movies are sure but you know you want to explore more of that for some reason there's something primal but i don't understand why people want a film adaptation of la noir when we literally have the entire genre of film noir that exists. Yeah. Like, it was great as a video game because you don't get many film noir video games that are actually good. But why do you want a film version of that game? Well, right. When literally the film LA Confidential exists. Have you heard of this, Ryan? So there's... No, I haven't. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. on. Uh, no, so there's the video game series Street Fighter. And they made that movie about it. They made a couple of movies, didn't yeah, they? Yeah. But that first one they made with uh, Van Damme or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. They made that movie, and then they made a video game adaptation of that movie. Yeah, yeah, So it was Street happens. Fighter, the movie, the game. Yeah, 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 that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we, I get we it. We need more cases like that, I think. I Street Fighter, we are not going to cover that film during this month, because Street Fighter is the one... We're not one... covering any fighting game films, are we? Oh, how dare you... <laughs> How dare you say that? I don't want to say which film it is, but there's a certain film with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But um, Street Fighter is that one game that everyone I've talked to has said that the film adaptation of Street Fighter, I'm pretty sure. No, no, no. Sorry. Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Mortal Kombat. Everyone is... says the Mortal Kombat movie is the greatest video game movie there is. And I've, I've watched that. it... And I've played Mortal Kombat, and I'm like, I guess, but it's a terrible film. <laughs> like, 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 if that's what your standards for filmmaking are, I think most. Fine. Of, I think most of the major fighting games have had films like there's Tekken, Dead or Alive. I think there's like a Street Fighter, of course. Street Fighter. I think there is a King of Fighters one. Uh, you know, that's the one I know the least about. But, I, yeah. I have but, a friend who has Tekken on DVD, and he's a big Tekken guy. So is there the what's his name King? I think King's in it. I know one of the weird things about it is um, there's a character in Tekken who's introduced, I think, in the fourth or fifth game called Steve Fox. He's uh, a boxer. Nice. Um, and he's technically Nina's son. Oh, but yeah. in the film, he's like this old veteran fighter and Nina's just like basically one of Kazuya's girls. Mm. So there's like no relations. So there's a big change there. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. It could even be a video game that you haven't played. Mm -hmm. But what do you think is a video game that should be made into a movie that hasn't been made into a film yet? Hmm. Let us see. A video game that hasn't been made into a film. Yeah. But that probably should. There is potential there. Yeah. For the longest time, I have thought Metal Gear Solid, but there is so much to those games. They almost have arcs in them that, yeah, yeah I don't really know that a movie would work. Maybe a miniseries, but, uh... An anime? An anime? Yeah. Make an anime? Yeah, that too. I've always had a problem with the Metal Gear Solid games being a film idea, because I've always had that problem of being like, well, Metal Gear Solid is just a bunch a of, of American scenes. movies that yeah. already exist and turned into their own. Like, they are just, hey, you know Snake? 
his snake Pliskin from Escape from New York. There's literally no. He's literally no different. Like, we give him an eye patch even, and even have his name revealed to be Pliskin at one point. Well, it was a pseudonym. Yeah, yeah but you know what I mean. Like, it's just like, oh, okay. And then, like... His name's Dave. Dave! <laughs> you know, stuff like that. It's like, well, yeah, Metal Gear Solid would be an interesting one, but like you said, there's got a lot of things going on. Like, which one would you do first? <laughs> I I reckon three would be good because it kind you, you can kind of make it standalone and it's kind of like a spy film see i would still do the first one mm. no just metal gear solid yeah the playstation one one but you have no liquid. the first the original metal gear <laughs> yeah. where the first boss is shoot gunner and he uses a shotgun <laughs> but can you imagine you know who i'd cast as um revolver ocelot mm. i would cast oh there's two people i want to cast very different actors I feel Harvey Keitel would be great <laughs> as Revolver Ocelot. <laughs> because Revolver's old. He is. So Harvey Keitel. He's, I old, don't know he's wh- old in the, yeah, the modern scene. I don't know why, but then of course the obvious choice is Sam Elliott. Mm. You know Sam Elliott, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And the famous, he's just a living cowboy <laughs> actor. You know, in The Big Lebowski, he's... The cowboy. Ocelot, Ocelot's a fun character. Yeah. He would be great as well. He seems like an obvious choice for Revolver Ocelot. It's just him. I would cast just Kurt Russell as Snake. Why would you not? reload during a battle. Why would you cast anyone else as Snake other than Kurt Russell? There's no point. Like, he is Snake. I mean, it's funny to see Jake Gyllenhaal play Snake. <laughs> I would love it if you said Zac Efron. <laughs> no, Kevin Hart. I would love as Liquid Snake. Oh, who would you have as Liquid Snake? Um, if David Bowie wasn't dead already, <laughs> he would that's be, a good point. He would be great. I reckon like someone like Jonathan Rhys Myers or Paul Bettany would make a great Liquid Snake. You know Paul Bettany? Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think of my answer. Yeah. yeah. Maybe like a buff Simon Pegg. <laughs> oh, he could do a good job. Yeah. No, 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 you, you cast Nick Frost as, um... <laughs> have Simon Pegg as Liquid Snake. Nick Frost as Vulcan Raven. I literally was going to say, him as Vulcan Raven, <laughs> or him as Sniper Wolf. <laughs> like, he's still a woman, and he has his shirt undone, just like Sniper Wolf with his big hairy Actually, chest. Actually, Roseman Pike might be able to do Sniper Wolf. She would be great as Sniper Wolf, but too bad Angelina Jolie exists, and she should be Sniper Wolf. <laughs> What about Psycho Mantis? Now that's an easy choice. That's an easy choice. Crispin Glover. <laughs> Crispin Glover. He's a really good choice. As Psycho Mantis. Or if you want to go younger, if you want to go younger, because you can if you want, you have... um. You, Young Psycho Mantis technically is in the Phantom Pain. You have to have... What's his name? Uh, who just basically is Crispin Glover Young. Uh, the guy who plays Scarecrow in the Batman trilogy. Ah, right. What's his uh, name? Scary Lips. <laughs> Scary Lips. I saw it call him. He looks like a lizard. What about Otacon? Otacon. We've never had a nerd in Hollywood films. Otacon. I can't remember Otacon as well. Is he in the... F- He's in all. He's in one, two, four. His dad's in Peace Walker and. Can I Batman. just cast the Rock? <laughs> <laughs> 
as as the anime loving nerdy professor. Did you never watch uh, The Rock in anything? He plays nerds. <laughs> like look at he him was here. A big nerd in Moana. Yeah, <laughs> look at him actually, here. His character from Moana could be Vulcan Raven. <laughs> he would actually be a great Vulcan Raven if he wasn't. Like I feel Vulcan Ooh. Raven needs to be like an Aryan. Yeah. Kind of that kind of blonde haired, blue eyed white guy, unfortunately, I feel. So that's why I'm going to cast Wesley Snipes <laughs> as Vulcan Raven. No, serious answer for Vulcan Raven, though. If mm. I had to cast someone as him, I feel that it would be hard not to just cast Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he's old, yeah. he just feels right. Yeah, he was in the. What's that movie with all the action stars in it? Expendables. Movies. Expendables, yeah. He was also... Wasn't he was in one of the Street Fighter movies? Maybe. Oh. No, that's Van Damme. Sorry. Van Damme. Oh, I literally said that before. I get them confused. They are both... Fair enough. Buzz cut haircuts. Yeah. Oh, okay. Another video game that should be made into a movie. For me... Crash I, Bandicoot. I would love to see a Crash Bandicoot live action. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, have you ever seen that Crash Bandicoot 2 commercial where he's... Yeah, I have. <laughs> now, if I had to choose a movie, like a movie that's off a video game that doesn't exist already, there's so many, there's so many to choose from, but I'm gonna have to say, I'm gonna have to choose like the lamest game ever, which is Pong. Driver. Driver. Which yeah. is just GTA, but with driving, but too bad Baby Driver already exists as a film. I'm pretty sure in GTA 3 you kill the main character from Driver. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I actually don't know. There's not enough video games in my collection that I would go, oh, I would love to see a movie of this. Well, I've played just a lot of Japanese games, so I'm like, oh, yeah, I could see you know, this being like this. turned into a movie. Yeah, a lot of stuff in them. It's hard because Doom's already a movie. Yeah. You know, we got Doom here, which I think captures a lot of Cronenberg elements. It has a lot of John Carpenter elements. Like, this is kind of like the thing as well, where you have a bunch of people marooned in on a base, a government base or whatever, and they don't know who's infected. They have to try and figure it out before it's too late. You know, you got that kind of element too. I mean, the thing's been made into a video game. Yes, yes. And that was a game I didn't love but I liked how it included elements from the movie, like Kurt Russell's voice recordings. Yeah, I've seen a... Not a playthrough of it, but like a review of it that covers the whole thing. Mm. Yeah. I've played it. It's alright. The weapons are shit. That's my main problem. There are a lot of fuse boxes in it? Yeah. That's what I've heard. Uh, here we have the sign that The Rock is not what he seems. He's a lot more agitated. He's a lot more... Craggy. Yeah. <laughs> like... One of the things that I did when watching this movie was I had this movie on and my girlfriend was with me and she was not liking the film too much. Mm-hmm. She found it a bit scary. And she said, okay, Ryan, you've seen the film. Who who lives at the end? And I'm like, well, obviously your main character lives at the end. And she's like, oh, so, so Carl Urban. And I'm like, yeah. It's just the brother and sister, right? It's just them at the end. But she said... It's less but, than Deep Rising. She said, but definitely definitely The Rock, yeah. And I'm like, I can't tell you. And she's like, no, you can't. What do you mean you can't tell me? Of course The Rock lives. 
because he's framed as in a brilliant way. He is framed as the good guy for a good portion because he's Sarge, he's like he's the, the leader. The tough but dependable like hero. Leader. He's also the smartest one. Yeah, like to a to a point with everyone, and you think it's also because the Rock. The Rock we've talked about before, he just has a natural charisma about him. Uh, it's very interesting to see him... Spoiler alert, he plays a villain in this movie. Like, he's an out-and-out villain. Mm. It's very interesting because we rarely see him play villains now. We rarely associate him as a villainous ca- character. You know, he's such a... He's one of those guys that, you know, he's on-screen, on-stage, and off-screen, off-stage personas just... All of them admit one thing, and that is charm. He's a charming guy. He seems like a real fun guy to hang around with. You want to hang out with The Rock, the wrestler. You want to hang out with The Rock, the family man. You want to hang out with The Rock, the fast and furious star. You want to hang out with all versions of The Rock because he seems fun no matter what. Hmm. You know, there's something about him. He's just, he's, he's handsome. He's got that wicked smile. He seems like he just has endless amounts of talent. You want to rub his head. You do want to rub his head, but you know that he could crush you, but you know he won't. You know he won't. He'll sing to you. Yeah, and he's not even that good of a singer, but... I thought he was fine. You believe him because he believes in himself, and you're like, I believe him. He even made a joke about his singing at the Oscars. Yeah. Like, oh, Rocky, you are fine. Wouldn't it be great if they remade the Rocky movies with The Rock? <laughs> Would he play Clubber Lang? Or no, he or plays Rocky. Play Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> and Sylvester Stallone plays Clubber Lang. No, <laughs> woman! <laughs> and he sounds like... <laughs> now, talking about that, you know, Carl Urban was in the remake of Judge Dredd mm-hmm. as Dredd. So that's a connection to Sylvester Stallone in this movie. Just so that it didn't feel like I just made a random Rocky reference for no apparent reason. It's all connected. It's all connected, Bartek. Mm. Who is your favourite character in this film, Bartek? In this film right here? In Dune, 2005. I mean, is there anyone I can say but The Rock? Well, there's Carl Urban. Not Keith Urban. Uh, There's Rosamund Pike. There's Black Guy Number 1, Black Guy Number 2. Actually, Black Guy Number 1 was pretty good. There's Asian Guy called Mac, because his name's too hard to pronounce. Takahiro something something. There's Pinky, who's the guy from Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, who loves knives. Mm. There's Sleazy Guy, who has long blonde hair. There's New Guy... There's new meat. Yes, that's right. Him. He's your favorite. He gets uh, he gets killed pretty quickly. No, I, no, I, he doesn't. Well, I mean, not sorry, not quickly, but very sadly. Yeah, suddenly. Suddenly. Yeah, because he's actually one of the last to die. Yeah, and it's not even mutant related. Yeah, we'll talk about that. It's Rocky related. No, <laughs> you, you, you are right. I, I did quite like Black Guy Number One. The sleaze, the, the one who's hitting on Rosamund Pike. Mm. Yeah, I liked him too. He he had, he, you know what I loved? He was just openly two-dimensional. And sometimes you need, some of the best characters ever are the ones that own up to the fact that they have no nuance or layers to them. It's like, you know, Captain Flashheart in Blackadder is one of the best characters because he is just so surface level or... Captain Hammer in Dr. Horrible sing-along blog or, like, you know, The Rock in anything he's in. <laughs> I'm just hoping that this video game movie month 
we get a lot of cheese. I hope so, because this movie had so. cheese in it. But you mm. know what it had? Heart. Hearts. Literal hearts in jars. Yeah, don't know how good cheese is for your heart, but I'll take it both. It's not good, I think. Dairy? What's what's dairy good for? Like, your your bones? War. war. <laughs> the dairy war. <laughs> the lactose war. The grocery store wars. I love... That's a storyline in the film Food Fight. <laughs> the grocery yeah. store war. Oh, well, Star Wars was a uh, internet T- animation, like Star Wars, but with grocery products. Oh, my favourite. Yeah. Who was Luke? Cuke, as in like a cucumber. Oh, so it's kind of like... Um, Chew broccoli. It was like a Star Wars version of... What was that stupid film that Seth Rogen and the gang did about food? Oh, Sausage Party? Sausage Party. It's like that, right? But... With Star Wars, it wasn't like you know, didn't have a lot of swearing in it and stuff. But well, yeah, no, it's it, like it was, Star Wars. It was pretty much just like oh, it's Star, it's New Hope, but with, uh, with just grocery. New Hope. I think it was just New Hope. I was going to ask what Palpatine was. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Was he old mayonnaise? I don't think he was in it. No. Oh man, what was Darth? I think he was a potato, like Darth Tater or something. That's that's yeah. great. But what about? My homeboy, C-3PO. C-3PO. Oh, God, I can't remember. You know what I hate? I hate those people who don't call him C-3PO. They just call him 3PO? Yeah. Well, they did in the films, didn't they? Yeah, but I hate them. Uh, I say C-3PO. Or the ones who pronounce it differently, like, they, like... C-3PO? Yeah. I've had those people. Okay. I'm like, I fucking hate you. It's like, what? What's wrong? Do you not want to call... Okay, I'll call him r 2 2 I mean, what do you want? r 2 2 Yeah. <laughs> That's r 2 2 people. He'll get angry. He'll say... Do you guys like movies that are set in dark alleyways where they shine the torch, but when they need it most, they don't shine their torch? Do you like, Doom's for you! Do you like video games where the torch only lights the round ring, not the whole room? Yeah. Yeah. I love those. Don't you love those? Those are my favourites. Bartek, did this film do the important task of getting you interested in wanting to play the game? I wouldn't mind trying it more than before than before seeing the film. That's my English. Because that's also a part of um, video game movies too, is they are an ad for the original game on a level. Let's be honest. Yeah, they have to if, act as... If the ad, games are still being sold in retail, of course. Which most of them are. Most video game movies Definitely are in the modern day where you can play old... Like I said with Silent Hill, they're available on, like, you know, oh, PSN classics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're still making Silent Hill games. Pretty sure. Well, it's by Konami. Yeah. Konami's kind of gone down the shitter. Yeah, They but, make pachinko machines. Yeah, but know. if you still advertise... You play Silent it, Hill pachinko. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, you can still be like, oh, well, I'm going to draw them people in. I mean, let's not forget Angry Birds got made into a fucking film. Mm-hmm. I'm not covering that. We're not covering that either, by the way. I don't Minecraft, know why. Minecraft got a Telltale game. Well, that's okay then. Yeah. Can you imagine... Uh, here's the one that most people want into a game, and I don't know why, which is Borderlands. People want Borderlands to be a film. They want that game to be a film. And I'm like, mm. just play, just watch Mad Max, man. Like, Okay. I, I haven't played Borderlands. 
That or I understand why people want the Fallout games to be films. They're very well. Th- those games they kind of like they're very customizable, right? Yeah. And, like you, your main character is a silent hero. Yeah, I think so. I've yeah. never. I've only played a bit of one of them. To be honest, I haven't played anything. I played a bit of the fourth one where one of my friends who owned it couldn't stop getting killed by a beaver that explodes when it attacks you because it's strapped with dynamite. Yummy. And he couldn't get, he couldn't stop getting killed by it. I'm like, I'll give it to me. And he's like, you don't know how to play this. And I'm like, I'll give me, I know how to fucking kill a beaver. And I did. And then I gave it back to my friend. And I was like, good job, champ. I remember, um... At, in my primary school, they had an after-school care thing, and sometimes, on very rare occasions, they'd bring out an N64 and play some games there. I remember there was this one time where they brought out a PlayStation and someone had Spyro 3, and there was a mission early in the game where it's a skateboarding mission where you have to defeat all the lizards under a time limit and without, yeah, I remember that and without you know falling off the skateboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was really good at it, but like the guy who owned the PlayStation, he couldn't beat the mission, so I'm like... Give it to me, I'll do it. Yeah, I've and then that. I did it until there was one lizard left, and the guy's like, "No, stop! I'll do the last one to like take the credit." So and, he, like, and he failed. No, I think he passed, but uh, but I, but still, I knew like, yeah, I know it was a B. Uh, Everyone ho- knows it was. Hold B. on, it's the BFG, the most famous thing of the game. The big friendly gun. The big fucking gun. Whoa, swearing. Fuck the big fucking gun! I love the Rock's face when he gets the gun. When he's like, "Oh shit!" It's like an erection. Look at him. Yeah. He's like, you know what annoys me about the BFG though? Mm. He doesn't kill anything with it. He he yeah. constantly misses, and he doesn't even injure anything with it. And that's kind of like the biggest disappointment of the entire film. And I think that's why this film is unappreciated because he doesn't kill a single thing or person with it. I do agree with that, although I will say the spectacle of seeing it fired, like the two times it is fired, was very nice. Just two? I think? Like there's in the bathroom and then in the climax? In the climax. And uh, I remember, I love the scene at the climax where he's like, how many rounds do you have? Just one. And I'm like, did the BFG only have two rounds? I, I would imagine the three. Re, the major weapon of a game would be something you know that has little ammo. Like um, I I once I used to play Unreal Tournament, not uh, yeah. not multiplayer, but I, and I remember um, the the ultimate weapon of that one was called the Redeemer, and it was basically a rocket launcher nuke kind of thing. And I remember I still give myself shit for this, but I always pronounce this as Redeemer. Okay. Because I guess I just never looked at the letters. I was just like, oh, yeah, there's R's and D's and M's. I read them here. And what was it, sorry? Redeemer. You fucking idiot. I also had it with um the rocket launcher from the first Ratchet and Clank. It was called the Devastator, but I was just like, oh, yeah, I see later. Devaster. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite weapon in the Ratchet and Clank games were the ones that turned people the into... The rays? Chickens. I love those. Or like chickens in the first game, sheep in the second, ducks in the third. Ah, uh, and then you know what my favorite thing about the Ratchet and Clank games are the pointlessness of upgrading your guns to gold. Like, mm. there's no reason. Like, why is it gold? There's more power, but I yeah. know, but you know what I mean. Now, talking about awesomeness, here's this fight. Hey, they scene should make that... a Ratchet and Clank movie. They did, didn't they? With yeah, they my did. homeboy, Paul Giamatti. Yeah, instead of. Fun. Mike, not Michael Clark Duncan. 
Kevin Michael Richardson. You know, a fun fact about that Ow. film? Yeah. It was going to be, it was, you know, in cinemas, and they were going to have it here in Australia, but it tested so poorly overseas that they pulled it out of cinemas before it could even be shown in Australia. Wow. We had the posters for it in the cinemas, and then never happened. Absolute boner killer. But you know what isn't? This fight sequence. Look, he throws it at his fucking head. <laughs> but do you think he's done with it? No. Look, he's going to swing it. Now, remember, this is in the future. So at some point in the future, big, bulky desktops of computers are going to become popular again. Well, on Mars, yes. No, just in the f- future. Okay. Not yeah. Mars. No. Mars gets Apple. Mm. Max. Fucking Max. Yeah, they're, uh, they're fucking... Apple planet. <laughs> oh, well, it's a red planet. Yeah, exactly. And they're trying to... What are they trying to do on this planet, actually? Um... Because archaeological studies is just one aspect of it that's only just been reopened, but are they trying to terraform it? Maybe? I actually don't know what they're doing on Mars in this movie, other they're than... filming Doom. Oh, you think they actually filmed it on Mars? Did they ever say they didn't? Yeah, you're right. I'm a fucking idiot. Idiot me. You know what my favourite thing about this is? is Their form of transportation, the Ark, is the exact same style of transportation as Galaxy Quest, which came out first, in which you get covered in the goo and then shot through space at, like, incredible speeds to wherever you land, and then you vomit when you land. Just like Galaxy Quest. What I'm saying is, is this film Galaxy Quest? And if so... Why? Did Galaxy Quest have a BFG? Um, it did have weapons in it. Okay, well, Final Fantasy VII had weapons and a BFG. You know, the best part of Galaxy Quest is everything in it. It's a flawless film that we'll never cover on the show because it is a 10 out of 10 film that everyone agrees upon that it's great who's seen it. It sounds like you're talking about Final Fantasy VII now. Final Fantasy 7, it's uh, it's almost as good as Final Fantasy 10. Mm. I'm kidding, it's better. We know this. I mean, have you played either of them? I've played Final Fantasy 7. My sister played the Final Fantasy games. I could never get into them, Okay. personally. I remember there's one... We rented a Final Fantasy game from Video Easy, which is a video rental store that used to exist. No, we've had them here. That used to exist, because uh, video rental stuff is dead, basically. There was one near Malloy that stuck me out for quite a bit. And all I remember was, I couldn't defeat whatever this game was in the game, where you had to play a, a, like, a sport that was like basically football and volleyball, but Blitz. you're playing it in a giant ball of water. Blitzball from Final Fantasy X? Yeah. You never had to really play. You had to play like once and you were allowed to lose. Yeah, but I remembered I wanted to win. <laughs> the one, the match that they make you play is really rigged against you. you got to actually like play the optional stuff to get good at it. And yeah, it's a, it's a big complaint of the game. And it's a really big deal in like the very first like act of the game, but then they forget about it after that point. Mm. Now, Bartek, this film is not looked upon very favourably in time. Even what? The Rock has made jokes about having done the film. I think even Roger Ebert has. Fuck him! I think he said it's like having a game, but then your like idiot friend comes over, hogs the computer, and doesn't let you have a turn. Well, guess what, Roger? You're dead now, so your friend did a good job. Are you saying Roger Ebert is doomed? He's in hell. Oh, jeez, Ryan. That's a- Burning! 
for his comments. Ryan, he, he liked Oscar, though. Well, I'll give him a pass then. Okay. I guess one redeeming thing in your life, one Hail Mary who redeems you. He also likes Rocking Bullwinkle. Oh, okay, yeah, two, two, two Hail Marys redeems a lifetime of And sin. he did receive something from The Rock. In so three, <laughs> yeah. he got bribed with food from he the rock bribed. to like race to which mountain? I don't even remember if he did like the film. He did, kind of. Okay, yeah. Uh, this is where this character is dead because. Oh, did he hit something? No, he misses it. He just okay. hits the wall. It's already crawled away. Holy shit! It shoots a giant what's thing. This, what's with this bad language? It's because The Rock is a badass. Do they swear in Doom games? Mm, no. Well, That's ones before 2005? something about the Doom games I want to touch on. There's a controversy with each Doom game that comes out, which is the satanic. Yeah. Right? Isn't it a thing? I'm very vague, but I'm pretty sure that one of the makers of the Doom games is a Christian Probably, yeah. I'm pretty sure that the games themselves are making a statement about that kind of imagery and Satanism and all that kind of stuff and basically saying, no, we're not down with that. There's, well, in I know in this movie there's a Christian character. And he's totally not down with it. <laughs> but I find it kind of funny that a creator of a game that brings such uproar with the Christian, with certain Christian communities, is themselves a Christian or was a Christian, mm. and is creating a game that also agrees with their moral values, and they hate it. <laughs> I just love the fact that there was a certain, there is a certain thing. Like now, I'm going to bring this up. This is very specific to people like Bartik and myself, people who grew up in Australia. We here in Australia have a very, very strict censorship thing of mm. video games to the point in which video games that got rated a certain rating 10 years ago still aren't allowed to be here. And we've only in the past couple of years gotten an R rating for video games and even that hasn't helped a lot of things. Yes. So it's kind of like with games like Doom... And other naughty games like GTA. But not Naughty Dog games. It felt like, here in Australia, it felt like an extra bit of a rebel for having them or playing them mm. as well. Because, what was it, GTA San Andreas got yes. banned here? Because it had a... A sex level. Yeah, a sex mini game. Yeah. And I've that seen gets, footage of it, it wasn't that great, but yeah. It gets cut in our one, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it's basically, you're just... A camera view of the house from outside. Bunch of like, oh, 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 and CJ making some snappy one-liner while the camera shakes a bit, and that's it. But uh, it's just like, here in Australia, there is a lot of a witch hunting and hysteria for certain video games that even are allowed in. Like, the newest Doom game got quite a backlash from the Australian, like, parental societies and all of this kind of stuff. And I kind of mm. just find it hilarious that even today, in which we would consider, self, consider our cultures and societies a lot more progressive when it comes to these things that we still have the same also, hysteric reactions to the also, same games for a lot of us desensitized to a lot of things too oh yeah. yeah i mean you know you see a game like like you know 
the the original Silent Hill games, and they're fucking nothing in comparison to something like Alien Isolation or something mm. or other. You know, or, you know, it's just very interesting, and I just love the fact that the Japanese games get to slide on through no matter what because it feels like no one actually looks at them. Well, I did tell you um, off mic, I think last week or two weeks ago, about one Japanese game that I've played which had a remake on the Vita and was rated R for high-impact sexual violence. My favourite type of rating. (laughs) (laughs) High-impact sexual violence. For everyone wondering, it's um, Atelier Totori, The Adventurer of Arland, which is about a cute little girl who goes on an adventure to look for her mother and makes stuff out of using alchemy. Um, and the original PlayStation 3 release, PG, no problem, like mild fantasy violence. The Vita remake, which probably didn't add that much, ah, high-impact sexual violence. Mm. What was the high-impact sexual violence? I have no idea. You've played it? I've played the PS3 one, which is PG. Okay, so... You've got to play... Okay, I Bartek. have to get a Vita and I have to play Okay, Bartek, you are going to do some homework for the show. Yes. You're going to get that game and play it and tell me the high-impact sexual violence. Because I need to know, is it like a woman gets ripped apart by a guy's dick? Like, that's the literal thing I can think of. I mean, there's fan service moments in the games, but there's nothing like nudity. But, Bartek, it's a weird Japanese game. There's always weird, weird sexual content underneath all of them. Yeah, like mild sexual references, but lots of things have that. Okay, I'm going to ask you an interesting question now. Yes. What's the worst game you've ever played? Game like game that I hated. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I know that I've definitely got some under my belt, but what is the worst? I don't know. I tend to play so many games I like that it's hard to tell. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Well, I have a few. Uh, you know, and there'll be people who goes, those aren't the most terrible games out there. Again, I'm not the biggest gamer either. Mm. I still hate. I can recognize on technical quality alone and storytelling aspects. Mix 2. Metal Gear Solid 2, I despise. I hate it. We've talked about it on the show, but mainly because... It's a bait-and-switch game, yeah. and I hate the Switch <laughs> that you get for it. And the story also was a bit, like, meh as well. Also, it's a game that I felt was a lot sh- shorter. Yeah. It is has it, faults, is it Is it yeah. actually shorter than the... Uh, is it a short game? Because it's that one. Isn't that the one with the 45-minute cutscene? Uh, Second one? Yeah, yeah, towards the end. I feel like Metal Gear Solid 2 felt felt like a shorter game. Like, I remember Metal Gear Solid being a long game. I've played both of them thoroughly, and they're both about as shortish. I mean, the cutscenes are long, but the gameplay itself, yeah. Mm. I I can definitely see speedruns of both being pretty quick. Yeah. Um... So, I, I think of the question though. Yeah, you you think through. I also was not a fan of Age of Empires three, just for technical aspect of um, Age of Empires three made it a three D game, and I felt like Age of Empires should always be that kind of two D art style that they have. I always thought that worked best for it. Not saying that you can't improve the visual look of it, but like the second game proved you could. I just always felt like once they amped it to that 3D stuff, what's the difference between it and any other game of its caliber? Mm. So that was one that always let me down. 
And I don't know, worst game. I again, I haven't played too many, but I've played ones that are very disappointing. Like the re recently, I just finished Destroy All Humans: Path of the Furon, yeah, which the was one. very disappointing, very cheap, and lackluster, and hasn't got all the cool game mechanics that the other two had. Yeah, we, you and I, we both like two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the best one. Yeah. Uh, the Rock giving an intense stare. He's saying, what's cooking? His catchphrase when he was a wrestler, wasn't it? Yeah. He, he's a chef. He's a chef. He's What's cooking? It's The Rock. Nothing so, Bartek, changes. come on. you got to choose one. Look, we've got a whole video game month. I think I have time to think. But what <laughs> happens if they're listening to this episode and don't listen to the one that you actually say it in? Shame on you. Shame on you. That's what I say for them. Look, I've already said that later on in the month we're going to watch a, a movie from a game that I have played. Why not wait for that one? Uh, what's the worst GTA game? The worst GTA game that I've played? I think the weakest one might be Liberty City Stories. Okay, that's fair. What about the worst Metal Gear Solid game? The worst Metal Gear Solid game? I won't count... Um, the first two because I haven't played them too thoroughly and it's a bit of a cop out to say Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops which is like <laughs> the technically canon but like very it's I, I won't count it Um, but if I were to say amongst you know one two three four the two fives and Peace Walker those are like the main ones I would probably say that the weakest one is yeah, probably Metal Gear Solid 2. It is... Not Metal Gear Rising Revengeance or whatever it was. If I count that one, I would say that as an action game, it is very good. It's got a lot of gameplay features. It's got a lot of cheesiness. Um, I actually would recommend it to you because it is a fun game. I love with Japan the way they interpret what cool is. Also, it's made by Platinum Games, not Kojima. Oh, really? That one? Yeah. Alright, I love what I'm gonna say anyway is I love a Japanese culture what they interpret cool to be. So with me, my interpretation of the character of Raiden, for those who haven't His played evolution. the games, is Raiden starts out as a wimpy, foppish, blonde haired teenage guy like young guy who has a high-pitched voice and is kind of wimpy, but he's supposed to be the ultimate badass because he's he's basically your anime... Like, he's basically yeah. your anime he's, character he's, in... Compared to gruff, manly snake, he's more of the pretty boy who's been trained through virtual reality. Like, he's gone through the Metal Gear Solid 1 VR version, mm. like, multiple times, so he knows the plot well, of the Well, he's a difference. Metal, Metal Gear Solid has Snake, who's your typical protagonist in the West. Yeah. And then you have Raiden, who's your typical protagonist he's, in the East. He's very a he's very much a Bishonen character. Yeah. A and the way that they react to the backlash, because Raiden did get a backlash. Yeah, he wasn't in any of the trailers for Metal Gear Solid Two. They their method is okay. We'll make him a cyborg ninja. That will make him cool. They, and he has a dog. I'm pretty sure. Well, that's in the. It's in Rising. He has. Uh, yeah, but like that's what I'm saying. Like his method to make him cooler is let's make him a cyborg ninja with a motorcycle and a dog. It, it's funny because um, 
Metal Gear Rising was originally going to be set between 2 and 4, mm. and it was going to be the story of, like, oh, what happened to Raiden to make him like that? In in 4, you kind of just get that as, like, his backstory, but you don't really see it happen. It's that at the end of the game, you remember Olga from Metal Gear Solid 2? Yeah, of course, the yeah, one yeah. with the hairy armpits. Yes, yes, her child was being kept by the big conspiracy people, and Raiden went to save her, and, you know, <laughs> bad things happened there, and he had to get cyborg parts. Um, and he was still using the the high frequency blade from the end of Metal Gear Solid Two, so he kind of became like the new cyborg ninja character after Gray Fox, yeah, Mister um, X. Um, and there was a whole plot about how he broke he broke up with his girlfriend from that game because she had like a miscarriage and she got with the Colonel and stuff uh. like that. Um, so he he went through a lot of dark things that made him a lot more of a moody character in 4. What did The Rock go through that make him so dark that he kills his own men? Um, the mission going was really hard. Well, here's the weirdest thing. Do you agree with The Rock or do you disagree with his actions? I can respect wanting to follow the mission, trying to complete the mission... But his way of going about it by killing everyone, even those who are obviously not infected. Because, unlike the thing, it's kind of more obvious in this, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't agree with that, and therefore it's like, okay, you've crossed the line. And, and you know, I might have respected him a bit more if, at the end, when he is very clearly infected, he lets the guy kill him. But obviously he doesn't, because, <laughs> you know, that, that's more epic. You have to have a bad guy fight. Yep. I would have really liked it if at the end when they used the, what was it, the, the photon grenade or whatever it is, he throws it into the arc and the rock's like, no! I would have liked it if he just punched it back. <laughs> and then killed the universe. like Because they make references to the fact that if you fuck with the arc, it could rip apart the universe. Mm. And I'm like, wouldn't it be great if it just ended with them killing the universe? Also, I thought this movie was going to end with the ultimate twist. I thought it was literally going to end with the twist of, you know, the film ends with him holding Carl Urban, holding his sister, Rosamund Pike, in his arms, going up the elevator and everything's like got the holy light, giving that divine kind of visual aesthetic. Uh, I really thought it was going to show that she had like a neck wound or something and then she's going to be infected and he's mm. brought her back up. Well, she's passed out at the end of the film. Yeah, I thought, okay, that's great. It could tie into a sequel. Because here's the thing. This film deals with a concept that is very hard to win over people. It's one of these ones of you have to go with it or you don't. Which is the the infection infects certain individuals. Ones who have a certain thing in their genetics that is... These people are genetically more inclined to be psychopaths, basically, is, is how it works. Like, So, these people inside are evil. That's kind of the gist. Like, inside of them is evil. Well, and that's know, how you get infected. And the pure good people don't get infected. You know what would be useful in this film? What? The flying Nimbus from Dragon Ball. Yeah. Because only, like, pure people can ride it. Yeah. So it's like, alright, can you ride the Nimbus? No, this guy's dangerous. Yeah, exactly. So, I I think it's that thing of, it works in something like Dragon Ball Z, where you've got a fantasy world where, you know, and it works in something like Star Wars, where you have a clear division of good and evil. But in a world like Doom here, the good guys are evil at the same time. They are people who kill people for a living. 
Mm. That's inherently a bad thing to do. You know, what? even if they do it justifiably so, it is like they are murderers. What organization are these characters from anyway? The government. The government. Oh, okay. They're evil. So it's kind of like, well, what makes Carl Urban a good guy over The Rock? Now, The Rock, we at this point, when he does get infected, know that he's truly evil because he's killing innocent civilians. Yeah, he's killing the new guy that everyone's like, ah, oh, he's a new guy. Yeah. I think my main problem is, like, it's hard for me to... Even in universes where they have to say there is black and white, there is no grey area. Like, that's why I'm not the hugest not job for Star Wars. Because in Star Wars, a lot of it is, it's black or white. And when it tries to deal with the grey areas, you get the prequels. Um, That's why I'm more of a Star Trek fan. Because, you know, there is grey areas in Star Trek a lot more. And in Doctor Who as well. But, like... For me, I have a hard time dealing with this person is genetically inclined to be evil. This person genetically is inclined to be good. That's what this film says. It's, it's nature versus nurture style of thinking yeah. as well. In a different degree, of course. But like, I guess I could respect it a bit more since it is like an alien kind of... Uh, bio-identification kind of thing. Like, aliens can see something that we humans cannot. That mm. we would think, like... Like, this would be... If this kind of uh, antagonist, this alien, would be in a more... Less of a horror film, there could be an exploration of, like, we do not believe in destiny. Mm. You say that I am evil and that I would be infected, but I believe that I will always be on the side of light or something. Mm. And there's something about this, too, which is the monsters still have the intelligence, which in turn makes me believe they still have the personality and memory of the person. Because it comes to a point where, like, oh, no, they're, they're, they've mucked with the base. It's like, remember, these guys used to be rocket scientists. It's doesn't, like, doesn't one of the infected guys, like, try to bash his head in or something? Yeah, yeah. one of the infected yeah. guys kills himself, like, yeah. the Christian guy, before he gets fully taken oh, over. Oh, he committed suicide. Maybe. Yeah, which is a sin. Yeah. But technically he died already, so... Is it really, though? I mean... Well, he was sentenced to die, I suppose. He already yeah. died and then came back to life like Jesus... Ah, but Jesus wasn't zombie zomb. Uh, well, no, not that we know of, but like... Ooh. And then with, with Jesus, well, what happens to Jesus after he came back? He went to heaven and was really epic. Yeah, exactly. I've read Matthew. But how did he go to heaven, man? He flew, dude. Exactly. And this guy's version of flying was to bash his head into glass. Mm. But like... I think my I have an inherent problem with the fact that it is a sci-fi concept that isn't new necessarily, but it's one I don't agree with, which is genetically, you know, midichlorians and all of that. Like, it doesn't work for me as well. Do you think this movie was missing a prophecy? Yeah. Mm, that would have saved it. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting what movies that you like, and then you watch them, and you're like, oh yeah, there's a prophecy in this. Like, one of my favourite sci-fi movies based on Mars is Total Recall. Hmm. And Total Recall has a prophecy element to it as well. Did it? I've seen it, but did it? The engine or whatever, the the, 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 the thing that activates with the handprint of the alien. You remember this in Total Recall? I've only seen it once, but... 
I think so. Well, you know, they, they, they have like the ancient Martian technology that activates the terraforming or whatever it is at the end. And it's like foretold that someone or something's going to activate it and Schwarzenegger activates it by mashing his hand on it and then oh there he is he's the hero and all this kind of stuff so i love prophecies that are like oh it's a button someone will press it yeah rather than like you achieve something you know crazy you know but it's like that like that's not like a big prophecy it's not like one of those ones where it's like alice in wonderland the film adaptations baby's first prophecy it's it's called uh a setup prophecy so that way when your payoff happens it makes like a little bit of sense Mm. Like, in this film, it's set up that, not in prophecy terms, but it's set up that, you know, this is their brother and sister, and they have a bit of a tenuous past because the parents died on an archaeological dig in Mar- on Mars. She follows in their footsteps, and he takes his own path, and he's constantly judged for that throughout the whole entire film by her. But when push comes to shove, Sheenie is a fucking super soldier. And... Well, black guy's gone, so he's the one. He's the one. You think they'll get married, Ryan? Brother and sister? Yeah. I think it's really funny to see Rosamund Pike in this because she's, I'll be honest, she's only an actress that I was familiar with when I saw her in Gone Girl and The World's End, which were both the same yearish or same time at the cinemas for here in Australia. Yeah, and for me, Gone Girl, I have seen The World's End, but. Don't remember too much about it. She's um, the only female. Yeah. Um, I've known her from Gone Girl, and I think also the same year, Hector and the Search for Happiness with Simon Pegg. Yeah, and she really yeah, likes she... working with Simon Pegg. Yep. Uh, and then I, I know she's in Pride and Prejudice, but I don't. I didn't watch the Pride and Prejudice. But here's the funniest thing, Bartek. Here's a trivia point. Yeah. So she was making this film and Pride and Prejudice at the same time, mm-hmm. same time-ish, but... She got offered the role of Rita Skeeter in the Harry Potter movie. Yeah. And she declined it to do this movie. Good on you. What a choice. What a great career choice. Because this film is much better than Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I do believe that's the one with Rita Skeeter. Was it the Order of the Phoenix? No, because Rita Skeeter's... The news reporter chick, and yeah. she would have been covering the Goblet of Fire. Wouldn't she? No, I think the try was a tournament. It was just the school thing, dude. No, that's one where every school Wasn't she comes reporting around. the whole thing about, like, oh, Harry, you're saying, you know, he who must not be named is back? No, oh, maybe, maybe. I thought she was at the Triwizard tournaments just being like, and here they are. Again, no, I'm pretty I haven't sure. seen Order of the Phoenix. That's the only one I haven't seen. I saw it once. Oh, wait, no, I lied. Order of the Phoenix and the Half-Blood Prince are the only ones I haven't seen. Because yeah. I legitimately don't care about Harry Potter. And I've mentioned this on the show. And I find it so great that we live in a time now where J.K. Rowling is forced into a corner with her comments that she made when she thought Harry Potter was officially over. But now they're back with the fact that um, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them and the sequels. They're not tackling the topic of Dumbledore being gay. Mm. At all, even though she's the one who's responsible for these actions, you know, like people giving a flack, and I'm just sitting here like, well, if you listen to her, I've said Gooby, <laughs> I'm fucking right about this. JK Rowling is a fucking hack, unlike this sequence here, which is fucking whack. Whack's not a good thing. Whack's good. Isn't whack like, oh man, that's whack. Yeah, but this is the fucking whack. 
He's oh, fucking no, no. whack. No, right, you're thinking of shit and the shit. And I think his fucking whack works. Really? Yeah, I think so, man. I thought whack means like, yeah, this is wrong. Yeah, but you know how words this can have multiple meanings in unless you give a certain connotation to them with your voice? This is whack. This I is... hate this, but I hate this. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, you know, buttocks, shit. In comparison to buttocks, shit. It's called humanity. That's really rude. I loved the fact his method was one of those classic video game methods that only work in video games, which is to run against a wall and jump off. Like, I love in video games, that's a technique that just seems logical, but in actual movies, when you see people do it, it seems like the stupidest choice ever. Say it again? It's... When you run along the wall and jump off of it, in video games, that seems like the most logical decision ever. But in actual movies, it seems like the stupidest thing ever. Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? It's good in principle at the sense of time. Oh, yeah. In the game and the film. And in this film, it works too, because they're doing it from a first-person perspective. Oh, that guy was running. Don't worry, he comes back. He comes back to do a little bit of a jump scare. Hey, Bartek, do you like jump scares? No. In fact, I... I what Whenever I get See, a jump he, scare. He didn't react to that jump scare. Oh, it's because I was, um, was looking at the film. But the you. noise... Ah! Jump scares are always done by the noise, more mm. so than the image. That's... The art of a jump scare is the noise. Speaking of jump scares, is there, are they making a movie for Five Nights at Freddy's? I hope so. And I hope it stars Kiefer Sutherland as, <laughs> as the... Uh, the security guard. guy you're playing as, yeah. Okay, if you had to cast Five Nights at Freddy, the movie, who would you cast? I mean, there's like, what, two voiced characters? Yeah, but you have to have actors play the, okay, well, the we've animatronics. Already, we've picked Kiefer Sutherland. Who's the other guy? Like, the guy on the phone? The guy on the phone has to be played. It has to be played by someone. No, no, no. It has to be played by someone you wouldn't expect to do such a weird role. Like, a, 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 a respected actor. Maggie Smith. No, no, no. Let's it's got to go- be a man? It's got to be a man. It's got to be accurate to the game. We'll choose someone completely out of the hemisphere of normal. Sam Neill. <laughs> just Sam Neill from the Jurassic Park movies and all that. Just like, he's on the phone and he's just like, hello. I own. Actually, you know what? That's a wrong choice because if anyone had to own a creepy fucking Five Nights at Freddy's kind of restaurant, it would be Sam Neill, actually. Sam Neill seems like too, too good of a choice to own such a creepy place. Justin Long. It has to be Justin Long. (laughs) He's like, hey man, it's me. Aw, look, I'm Justin Long. Now. Hey, Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah, too. Hey, you know, it's just the animatronics come alive. Oh, jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Or, um, Jack Black. (laughs) Where every time he's like, Wow! Hey man, you know, just know that the animatronic coming out. Wait, Adam Sandler <laughs> as Whitey. <laughs> yeah, just know that the, the animatronics coming alive. My God, if we had Adam Sandler's Five Nights at Freddy's, where he plays the voice on the phone, the lead—no, no—he has to play the lead schlub guy, who has you know, who's a, who's an asshole but has a heart of gold. He's only working at Five Nights. He's only working at Freddy's because. He was too smart for his previous job as, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, stunt yeah. man. <laughs> he was too smart. He, he was... lives in a mansion. Yeah, yeah, he has a mansion. <laughs> and he's only doing this as, like, a favor to his friend, you know, Kevin, Kevin James. James. Yes. <laughs> he used to be Hollywood's stuntman. <laughs> who also got all the babes. And the babe in this movie would be some... Some respected actress that people like, like, you know, it would be Jennifer Aniston or someone or, or, mm-hmm. or uh, like a respected babe that you wouldn't, ex- like Jennifer Lawrence. It's Jennifer Lawrence is like his hot girlfriend. <laughs> and she's like, I just was in the film Mother and now I'm in this. And you're like, of course you are, sweetheart. And then Adam Sandler finds out that he's the prophesized security guard who's going to save Yeah, yeah, he's going to save the, the world. The soul of, like, the kid that died or whatever. You know, and the, and the animatronics are played by, like, Rob Schneider. And they, and they turn out to be sympathetic characters. Yeah, Rob <laughs> Schneider's Golden Freddy. And <laughs> as normal Freddy, it's David Spade. And, yeah, Kevin James is just the voice on the phone. <laughs> you know, like Adam Sandler likes to play dual roles in some of his movies sometimes. Yes. Well, he's gonna play the duck or something. He's gonna play the fox, okay. the foxy one, so he could do a crazy voice for it. And then, as the mystery casting choice, as the as the duck one, I'm sure there's Chica? a duck one, Chica or whatever. Or chicken duck one or whatever, they're gonna have a random celebrity that you would be like, How the fuck did Adam Sandler drag this person? Like, like you know, Oscar winner, like, like you know, Julia that, Roberts or not something. even that, like someone, like, you know, how you were weirded out that Peter Dinklage rocked up in Pixels? Okay, yeah, like, yeah. like someone like that, someone who's actually got a career that you respect, like, like Brian Cranston rocks up as Chica. That would be great. Well, isn't that a female? Yeah, but <laughs> Adam Sandler's a misogynist, so he okay. doesn't care. Oh, no, no, if you had to have Chica, it would be someone that he would get to do a racial stereotype like Eva Mendes. She was already in G-Force. Oh, what's that? Kristen Wiig? Oh, well, the, maybe not. Kristen know. Wiig has no shame. She would be in it. She was also in Mother, so... <laughs> Why not? She can be looking at Jennifer Lawrence being like, Hey, I remember you when we were on Mother. And she's like, yeah, now we're both here. Mm. Yeah. And... What you, I can't wait for the day that Adam Sandler can manage to drag in Edgar Wright to direct one of his movies. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Because he also drags in good, like, solid-ish directors like Christopher Columbus, who directed the first Harry two Harry Potter, Potter movies yeah. and Home Alone. You know, I can't wait for Five Night at Freddy's! <laughs> Somehow, he has to drag Chris Rock into it as well. He would play Chica doing a voice, though. Uh, I think um, just the other day, um, I was chatting to some friends on Facebook and they were talking about how um, there's going to be a new like Mario film or something Yeah, like they've that. always been saying there's going to be a Mario film, an animated Mario and or one a live-action Mario. And one of them asked, like, oh, well, what would it be about? And I just thought of, like, what's the cringiest thing I could think of? Like, okay, Mario comes to the real world and hangs out with YouTubers and does Let's Plays or something. Okay, I thought you were going to like give reaction us, videos. I thought you were going to give us a joke here where it was like, okay, so Mario is... is in the real world and he has to go to this alternative dimension world where dinosaurs still existed but evolved into humans and he has to save and the the opening narration can talk about like long ago there were dinosaurs (laughs) and his brother is played by a Puerto Rican and his name is Mario Mario 
<laughs> his name is Mario. Mario. And they get a respected actor like Dennis Hopper to be King Cooper. And this is a good film. We should make. We should make. They it. should make it. Yeah. And they. And here's the thing. They have the audacity to end it with sequel baiting <laughs> <laughs> that never pays off. Long ago, there were dinosaurs. Oh look, a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> oh look, a monkey. Bob and Bob. and and you know you have um, Yoshi in it. A, a realistic looking dinosaur for no apparent reason and you have the Goombas as not at all looking like the Goombas they're like mobster Goombas they're like giant dinosaurs with tiny heads and you give one of them a harmonica like, and Roger Ebert likes them and Roger Ebert likes them and, and you, you know who you should cast as Mario Bob Hoskins uh, yeah I know he's dead now not, not uh, Ron Jeremy Because he played Squeegee in Super Horneo Brothers. <laughs> what? I didn't... I mean, I knew that, but I didn't know that. The fact that you knew the specific information... I've seen the Cinema Snob episode. The green one is Horneo, and the red one is Squeegee, played by Ron Jeremy. <laughs> Squeegee. <laughs> Wait, is it the other way around? They got it the other way around in the porno. Oh. Oh, they fucked up? Yeah, then. they did. What was Princess Peach? I don't think they had Princess Peach. They had, like, some spider lady. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the porn version of Doom? And, um... Actually, speaking of Adam Sandler, I think the Bowser equivalent, King... Cooper, like King Pooper or something. Had like a, <laughs> had like a really high me, voice. Let me guess, they're into anal. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think there was a dominatrix at one point that worked for him. I don't know. Now there's a great scene here where the rock is getting choked out, but his neck is so strong that you can't actually choke him out. I've always wondered if you have such a big, strong neck, can you actually be choked out by someone else? Um, maybe if you're strong enough, but I mean, if you've got a lot of muscles in the neck, it's like, haha, I am immune to this strangulation. Guess what? He's a boss level and is immune to strangulation. He's just nothing but neck. Is, isn't that, Ryan, isn't that one of the greatest things in video games? We have a multitude of abilities, but certain abilities do not work on bosses because they'd be too broken. Yeah. I love with boss levels in games that there is that 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 uh that one that one one mechanic of the game that you have to figure out to defeat them. Mm. And I love I would love it if in movies they had that done in live action like 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 he's versing the rock and he notices that the Rock waits three seconds to punch him. <laughs> like, every third swing, he, like, puts down his muscles and his exposed stomach is going red. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? And, like, every time he hits him there, he, like, does it, like, every four hits. Or, like, if he shoots something, you have to deflect it back at him to injure him. But if you don't, uh, you can't injure him in like, any way. Like, every Ganondorf boss fight in a Zelda game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like... Every time you fight him, music plays that's only specific to that scene alone. Or like a remix of his theme song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or if you do get beaten, you start again. Mm. And he's, you and get he's, another chance. Yeah, you get another life. And there's a health bar. Yeah, health bar. That would be great if they had a health bar, but it was worked into the mise-en-scene. 
Mm. Like, 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 yeah, seriously, like, in oh, this... Oh, yeah, like a vial of blood or something in the background? Yeah, 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 or, or like, uh, you know, like, in this set here, you have, like, the flashing computer screens. You have, on the computer screen, you have the little red bar, and then he smashes his head into the screen, and, like, the screen of the computer, and you have the bits of the glass of the screen broken off of the red bar, so now it's mm. half down. Yeah. That, that would actually be pretty smart. Well, that'd be cool. Yeah. Or even if we do, like, the three hits thing, then there could be, like, three vials in the background. Like, every time you hit him, like, one breaks. And it's like, oh, only two left. Or wouldn't it be great if you had a video game movie where the guy got punched and he only has three noises that he makes? Like some Tekken 1 And noises. sometimes they just play the same one again after the other. It's not even that good. Like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Ah! <laughs> like, like, in, uh, in actually going back to Sonic, and Adventure, the same punch sound each time. In Sonic Adventure, there is there are a few times where you have to fight one of the other playable characters in a mini boss fight, and there, it's always like the three hits thing. It's always very simple. Um, and one one of the times you have to fight Knuckles, the echidna, my favorite. Yep. And every time you hit him, he has the he makes the exact same reaction, which is to in his very stiff line delivery. Oh no. <laughs> so you just got to make him oh no three times Andrzej Bartkowiak is that Polish? that is very Polish <laughs> Andrzej unapologetically Polish unapologetically Polish is that Polish for what I just said? yes unapologetically is unapologetically I knew it is there a Polish word for un- unapologetically? of course I don't know then. why not? you speak Polish bien does that mean yes? that means I know why don't you know then? You know what I do know, Ryan? When they show the cast list in the credits, mm-hmm. the surviving actors don't get shot. Which means literally Which two. Which the first two, yes. Just Rosamund Pike and yep. Carla. And as for the, you know, crew people, they're just arbitrarily shot. Unless they did die in real life before the film was released, then that'd be sad. You know what I liked about Rosamund Pike in this? They didn't play her off as the sexy romantic interest. She's yeah. actually quite a duplicitous character who... If she did get infected, she would get... Like, if she did get attacked, she would become a monster because she is so duplicitous and morally corruptible and all this kind of stuff. I kind of like that. You know, because, you know, Rosamund Pike is now known to us as as Amy Dunn in Gone Girl. And it's quite interesting because in that movie, she plays that very uh, bitter, cool, cold-hearted female character who is a villainess who... Whose whole thing is, I don't want to be pigeonholed into the feminine type. This is who I am. I'm a psychopath, basically. And then it's great seeing something like... I wonder if it's a style of hers. Like, I've seen her play romantic interests before, but, like... Like, in in The World's End, she doesn't take any of their shit when it comes to them treating her like a woman. Like, like Simon Pegg wants to fuck her and the toilet stalls, and she's like get out I don't want anything to do with you like I don't know if it's something that she's made like a recurring thing in her career not to be just pigeonholed as that sex object ooey gooey romantic love interest not saying that she doesn't have that happen in her career because it is kind of impossible if you're a woman to avoid that if you are a lead female character Mm. it's just a given like I imagine she's the love interest in Hector 
She's the girlfriend, yes. The girlfriend. Oh, it's pre- already pre-existing girlfriend? Yeah, but like, uh. obviously when he goes on his trip, he doesn't go with her, so there's <sighs> kind of thing going on there. So, but I like that about her. Maybe, I've only seen her in a few things, so maybe I don't have the greatest depth of field to judge that, but the things I've seen her in, the ones that stand out like this, I kind of appreciate that. Like, yeah, sure, she is a romantic kind of angle with a one character, but it's never fully played out. It's not the main thrust of her character, and it's... Just a side dressing to it, really. So when a character dies, when that character dies, she has some emotional connection. Because, again, it's good to make your characters have more of an emotional connection to each other. Like, I actually like the fact that in this film, when characters got injured or died, they would go out of their way to try and save them. Like, in normal films, like Aliens and Predator, when they get injured or died, they're like, oh, that's it. Let's keep moving on. Like, they may have a moment where, like, oh, I'm sad. But most often, they would be like, oh, well. No, he had a family. Oh, well. Oh, well. Like, and that's it. And then move on. But in this, they they, they got the Christian guy and dragged him all the way back to the med bay and tried to save him. I and thought you said they got the Christian guy and drag. I'm like, I don't remember that. You weren't watching the director's cut. Oh, well, you need to you. Naughty Polish Christopher cut. Lloyd. You're at it again. <laughs> additional editor, Christopher Well, Lloyd. let's give our review and our rating. I'm going to review this right now. Okay, good. Great on. film. Great adaptation of a video game. Does it deviate from the source material? Yes, but in the defense of the adaptation, the source material isn't too vast. It only has certain things. Like, yes, maybe the game has added more now, but think in 2005... It wasn't the most story-driven game in the universe. So it has to adapt it into a story somehow. It can't just be just non-stop action. And the action it does have is pretty non-stop. It's pretty full-on. It's pretty well choreographed. You can see it. You feel the impact of them hitting people with their weapons and their fists. And when people die... You notice it. You really feel the absence of that character in a good sense. You really go, man, I wish the sleazy guy got to live. Or, man, I'm really upset that the rock got the got killed and stuff like that. You know, or the new guy died. You know, you feel it. You feel the emotional connection. You feel the physical connection. This is a physically and emotionally visceral piece of cinema. I don't understand why this is classed in the category of video game adaptation, like film adaptations of video games that failed. Maybe it failed at the box office, and maybe it hasn't got all the awards, but I think this is a perfectly suitable adaptation of a game into a film. I think that this is a a high watermark of this genre. I think that this is a fun action-packed, horror, suspense-filled movie that has a great sense of atmosphere and creates some interesting dynamics between characters, but also interesting... like, But also explores what it means to play God. Do we play God? And what it is to be an individual or, or a part of... a or a part of a, a group. Do you break from the mold or do you follow it? I would give this film, I would give this film if I had to rate it, I would give this film a what's cooking out of this film. Because that's what's, what's cooking. What's cooking out of this film? 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Bartek? All right. I'm going to start off my review with an impression of Me? you. Oh, okay. The listening people. Oh, well, I sure do like this video game, Doom. Um, but maybe I don't want to watch the movie because, you know, it's going to change things about the game and it's going to not be as good and I'll be just be wasting my time and my money. And the, what's that? Oh, Bartek just punched me in the face and now he's going to speak for the rest of it. That's right, I punched you in the face. Is this still because... the impression? <laughs> no, this is me talking in this hypothetical Ah, but you know what? I can't wait for the end of your review where you go, and that was your impression. <laughs> that was my impression of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd's going to edit it to make sense. Apparently there was a John Peck involved. Is I it saw, related I to saw. Josh? I hope so. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man! <laughs> man, oh, man! Oh, there's a Stefan Stefanov. <laughs> Dude, pick one name for your child, okay? It's like if... Kaspchik Kaspshishak. Yeah, it's like... Slee Slowinski. <laughs> Slinky Slowinski. Yeah, go on, Bartek. So I just punched the listening people in the face, which, you know, stick with me on this. You'll understand why. Because I think that this game will make an excellent, excellent uh, side dish to the franchise. It's, it's, you could consider it sort of a spin-off set in an alternative universe that uses... The, Similar themes, but explores them in a different way. Mm. It is a film that I, I've said it throughout, you know, the week since I've seen it. I've said it throughout this episode. It does remind me of Deep Rising. And it still does, but you can't just see one and think the other is the same. Mm. There are fundamental differences. This film is not set near the water. Oh, no. Water is a sign of life. Life is important. And in Deep Rising, three people survive to the end. Oh. In this film, only two. This film is bleaker. It is made later than that one. So the effects are much different. This film is based off of a video game. Wow. And I think that if you are going to delve into video game movie adaptations, you've got to start with Doom. Not because it's going to be appropriate. It's like, oh, I guess I'm doomed from here on out. <laughs> Cynic. But because it is a sign of what is to come. Exactly. It is a sign that you will see films that have been criticised, disrespected, and dissed by Roger Ebert. Fuck him. Who doesn't think that video games are art, despite the fact that we clearly just said that they were, so we clearly, you know, we've got him there. You know what Roger Ebert isn't? Alive. But alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He isn't PewDiePie. He isn't PewDiePie. <laughs> He's never reviewed PewDiePie, I don't think. He would have loved him. He would have loved PewDiePie. He loves the Swedes. If, if, if Roger Ebert had nephews, they could tell him about... PewDiePie. Maybe he does have nephews. Or nieces. I don't oh, want to judge. Oh, yeah, the girls love PewDiePie. Wow, I love when he talks about the barrels. Yeah, exactly. Mm. This film is not barrels. This film is great. This film is worth your time. And, you know, we were having such a good time that we were talking about things in our own lives that we've experienced that gave us good times. 
Yeah. So even if you are one of those, you know, those kind of people who talk over movies and don't necessarily pay attention, maybe you just have it in the background and, like, you don't focus. You know, yeah, sure, it will give you decent background noise and, you know, you'll have a good time, but you're missing out on the point. And the point is... Bless you! And the point is... Bless you. Respect. Blessing. Jesus, if you feel like it. Have a great time. Enjoy. Be inspired to explore the games, the movies, all the spin-offs. Yeah. If I had to give this... I almost said game. I think I'd say skit. If I'd give this skit. skit a rating, it would be If I had to give this game movie adaptation a rating, I would give it a big fucking great. That's great, man. Big fucking great. That's big fucking great. Basic, you had the pleasure of looking for comments. I did! I have to open my netbook. I forgot about that. We haven't done unappreciated masterpieces in like two months. Bartek's so rusty. He's as rusty as a, a gate. We've done like two episodes in a row of Mystery Box where I haven't brought in comments, so I'm like, yeah, well, now He's we're just gonna close out. such a fucking <laughs> unprofessional asshole. Well, I'll share some facts with you. Yeah? Whether they're related to the movie or not. Um, fact number one. The Rock was originally offered the role that Carl Urban plays, but declined it and wanted to play the role of Sarge instead because he found it a bit more interesting and complex. Rightfully so. Definitely more complex, yes. He's a character. Yeah. That gives him something. And another fact I want to share with you right now is not that... later. I'm happy to be here. I am too, Ryan. Tell us, were the people on YouTube happy? The, f- I'm. I haven't looked at these comments in a week, but now I'm, that I'm looking at some of them, I remember that there are a lot of replies in these strings. Great. And the first comment, the initial comment is, "This should be a game." Oh, you're right. And the first response is. It is X D D D D D. Really, it is. Look on the internet, smiley face. Did they? Did they look on the internet? Though? And then I've noted here in brackets, huge argument over fifteen comments occurs. <laughs> and then a response. Best part about the internet are the comments that people make. You're right, buddy. Mm. You're fucking right. I believe these are from the trailer. Great. The comments. The next initial comment is. Rock seems so small in this movie. In F and F movies, he is huge, flol. That is true. He's gotten a lot larger to the point in which he cannot properly put down his arms. The first response is because he didn't pump himself with roids yet. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. He's just saying, right? He's just saying. And then the second of three responses, which is the longest one. Stupid idiot, he dropped in late for Hollywood to an unhealthy weight. The guy literally drained himself. What you see now is his natural weight. He is a naturally big guy, not some puny, frail white guy. He is Samoan, and those are big men. I love the fact that his weight in Doom was unhealthy. (laughs) It's like, he's huge, but that's unhealthy. And the final response from that string is, big men with small penises, that is. And for the last time, Samoans are fat, not big. 
uh, you're wrong, but good try, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I love this movie! Good One of you. my favourites. Me too, man. First response, I'm so agree with you. I'm so agree with you too. The second response, yeah plus one. And the third response, fuck you son of bitch. <laughs> like I had to put an accent for that one. Well, fuck you son of bitch. Well, you didn't say son of a bitch, so I had to assume. Yeah, yeah you're a racist. <clears throat> you're typecasting. Why couldn't he be Japanese? Fuck you son of bitch. Yeah, it still works. Or why couldn't he be drunk? Ah, uh, fuck you son of a bitch. Fuck you son of a bitch. The next one doesn't have responses. Aww. Good movie, but one thing I don't agree with is that the monsters are mutated superhumans instead of demons. But, like I said, it was a good movie. See, this guy gets it. He gets it. It reminded me, there was actually one comment I didn't include, I remember, Aww. from a week ago. And it was, um... The tray, uh, the back of the box said that the gates of hell open. Yeah, that's if true. If only that happened for real. I'm glad that you didn't include it so you can recite it to us now. Yeah, I know, I guess... Because I misunderstood it was the thing. I thought, like, they were a sociopath who wanted the gates to open in real life. But then I found out what the games are about. I'm like, oh, it was a I like how to- you associate that with being a sociopath. It could just be a healthy Satanist. Yeah. Probably. Well, do they want Gates of Hell to open? They're Satanists. I don't know what they want. Doesn't mean they want to hang out with demons, right? You're right. Demons are dicks. The next comment. I watched this when I was nine because my mum and sister were watching it and the bed is in front of the TV so I could see it. In brackets, my dad was on a business trip. And I couldn't sleep until I was 11. Now I'm 12. I think if you wrap yourself in your blanket, you are safe. It raises a lot of questions, this one. There are a lot of responses. His bed's in front of the TV? The bed is in front of the TV. Yeah, the bed. (laughs) The one, I guess. So, yeah, the one family bed. It's like, (laughs) he's one of those European families. his dad was on a business trip, so he had more room. But, okay, go on. First response, response. I can tell you, you are safer under the blankets. Look at me. My dad made me watch a lot of movies and my blankets protected me until I got old enough to beat the monsters in the face. Yeah, look at him. He's a complete internet stranger. And then the initial commenter responds, yeah, learn to face it by thinking, why on earth will will the monsters get me no after I watched the movie? It could have got me before, so it probably doesn't exist. And that's the kind of thought mentality that gets you killed. And then the next response is, I just made myself a living mummy by covering my whole body on blankets on a tropical hot air nigs. They've got the H and nights. XD, it's a funny part of being a kiddo. Later, you're adult and the monsters go to your dreams and then you learn to enjoy them, XD. I love thinking about these are thirty-year-old men, and then the talking to one another. They pay taxes. And then the initial commenter responds, "I don't dream about monsters. I'm thirteen, not four. So clearly, a year passed throughout this string because he's not twelve anymore. He's thirteen. <laughs> and then he just gives this guy shit for dreaming about monsters, even though he's thirteen. What I've got two more comments, Ryan. What an asshole. Yeah, maybe he's the monster." Maybe the monster is him. Maybe he was infected and he became... You know, he he was genetically predisposed to evil. The second last comment is, 
I'm actually surprised this has nothing to do with the video game franchise, especially when Dwayne The Rock Johnson said he regretted being in the movie when he spoke his own words about it. Aww. Rock. And the f- hey, wait, hold on. Yeah? Hey, Rock. Man, you're in the new Baywatch movie. I think you got to get your priorities straight, buddy. That's that's probably one of the worst ones you've been in. And and you and you and uh, Scorpion King. So um. You know, just kind of uh, get your uh, attitude straight, buddy. Okay, I know you're the rock and all, but, like, this is between me and you now, okay, Dwayne? Mr. Johnson. Get it straight in your head, all right? Yeah, you letting that ego kind of get to you? This was actually one of your better films, so um, get it straight, buddy. Okay, Bartoko? Can I add something to what you just said? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right, and the final comment is in all caps. Thanks. He charged up his BFG and boomed them out of existence. Fun fact, that didn't happen. <laughs> That's a good point. And, <laughs> and then you told me that the guest didn't cancel and, and I just watched a leak ahead of time so I stopped looking for comments. Oh, Cry face emoji. Not Bartek. XD like them? Bartek? No, yes. no XDs like them. Oh. This is the end of the episode. It We've is. had some laughs. We've had some cries. We talked about video games. Yeah. And we talked a bit about Doom, the film. Mm. But mainly, we became friends at the end of this. Because we, we all agree that Metal Gear Solid 2 is the worst of the Metal Gear Solid the games. The worst is what that means. The though. weakest. It is still the worst of them, though. It's better than Portable Ops. Is that a game, though? Yes. Kojima doesn't like considering it canon, but it technically kind of Fuck is. you, Devon the author, mate. So, you guys have been fantastic, it amazing. The author, but yeah. Kojima? Yeah, you like, oh, you guys, you can make this game. Yeah, but like, he's the main guy of mm. Metal Gear, right? Yeah, he didn't make Rising, but yeah, he gave it to Platinum. It's like, I approve of what you've done. Yeah, 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 but you know what I mean. Uh, we became friends, right? Uh, we're friends. You guys have been great, fantastic, amazing, wonderful listening people. We are going to be covering more video game movies, more of those games that have been made into films. Some people will say, no, guys, don't cover those. Those are bad. And Bartek already has punched you once. Do you want him to punch you again? Because that's the attitude that gets a fist in the mouth. I'm going to hit you in the mouth with my fist. That's his Sylvester Stallone impression, so you better watch out. I think it was more of a Michael Jackson, but okay. <laughs> I thought you were trying to do, um, what was that wrestler? Who, Mike Tyson. He's I thought you were doing. Boxer, sorry. Oh, you know, I don't care. You know what I do care about? You guys. I actually was trying to do Mike Tyson. Listening to our show. Listen to our show. You know, Spin Polish Presents. You can type it in Google and you'll find us on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Podbean. Share it with the friends. We have our other show, The Mystery Box, and we talk about random mysteries and boxes. New episode coming in late February. Yeah, new episode coming soon of that. You know, who knows what that could be about. You guys, as always, should remember to be kind to each other. It is a new year, and that means new kindness to give to each other. New year, new me. Um, so Ryan, who in a video game adaptation would you cast to play Crash Bandicoot? Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Um, can I go DJ Carly? (laughs) 
that is, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> you need to know. Okay, I'll go with someone you know. As Crash Bandicoot in a film adaptation, a live action one, I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, him in a fu- of the trilogy maybe. of him in a fursuit. I would really love to see. <laughs> I'd love to see them do the voice. I would really love to see Terry Crews. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Crews as Crash Bandicoot, and and if I had to pick Neo Cortex. Slam dunk answer. I don't think anyone can truly disagree. Jeffrey Rush. Mm. You have to have an Australian <laughs> be involved somehow. Clancy Brown would have been a you know a bit of a which one? Out. Clancy Brown. Yeah, Clancy. because he played Cortex. Really? In two and three, yeah. Oh, okay. I think in one as well. I don't know. Wow, Clancy Brown's been fucking everything. <laughs> His voice in one was weird. Yeah, he didn't know how to figure it out yet. Oh, I'm near Cortex or something like that. So, who would you cast as Crash? You know what? I feel like it's a cop-out because he is kind of a funny actor, but the fact that he wouldn't be speaking English, I'd like to see Christopher Walken give a go at Crash. He wouldn't be speaking English? Because Crash doesn't speak. He just makes noises. Uh, yeah, but I guess you would make him speak in this. Well, we don't have to. Hey, but Christopher would speak. Wow! <laughs> Ow! No, but Christopher, he would speak when he's not supposed to. You see the other actors be like, uh, and he'd be like, yeah, Sorry, hey. Like Cortex has a speech, he's like, yeah, tell me. Yeah, great. Now, here's a story about how I got this yo-yo. You see, Cortex, your daddy, he used to be a scientist too. He had a, he had a, he had a yo-yo he had. He had to hide that yo-yo in a certain location, which was his coat pocket. And then when you created me, you were wearing that coat. And when you created me, the coat, well, you leaned over and it fell into my jeans, which is a completely different story of why I have jeans in the first place. Oh boy. And then Cortex asks him a question and he just goes back going, whoa. (laughs) He's like, my God, Crash, you can talk? Wow. As Ripperoo, as Ripperoo, I would cast, um, I'd cast <laughs> someone with a really deep boom voice. No, as Ripperu, I would cast Kate McKinnon. Yeah. <laughs> and have her just be painted blue, and there's no difference. <laughs> well, guys, that's our fantasy casting. You tell us your fantasy casting. We'll listen to it. Okay, Bartek, ask them who they would cast as Crash. Who would they, meaning you, cast as Crash Bandicoot? Leave a comment in in the below and rate five stars. No, that's all. Uh, like this video.